syringe. It's running over. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell back for injection with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. It's pro wrestling time, folks, and we have one big show. Not Paul White, but we do have one big show to get through this week. So much to talk about. Ron SmackDown, a preview of all things AEW all out. Maybe even tickle the rim a little and get you in on some NXT UK takeover and a can't miss interview you're about to about to be overwhelmed with with WWE superstar Buddy Murphy, who really, I mean, let's be honest here. The moment we saw him, we thought, sex. And the moment you hear him, you're going to think inspiration. This is one hell of an interview, not just about his role in the King of the Ring tournament, which may have come to a close Tuesday night, unfortunately, but we'll get into that. But really, on his journey to get to this point, I'm telling you, folks, you want to hear this. You want to apply what you hear in your own personal Life. Dig it. Yes. Alrighty then. So here's the deal, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. I never do. This is the best wrestling podcast of anything you can put inside your ear hole. All right. So why don't you do us that solid and let us in? Yeah, I'm talking like the fiend right now. Let us the hell inside. All right. Because if you don't, if you don't let me in right now, I'm going to knock down this door and kick you in your vagina. Wow. Wow. I wasn't necessarily going in that direction, but five star review. Pay it forward. Do what you're supposed to do for someone you love. Have some balls. Show up. All right. I'm about to show up in this show because it's going to be a great one. Let me welcome into you my co-host. Well, I don't know. Into you. That's that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh. That's, that's that's pretty intimate. How about let me... Here he is, the Silver King. Say hello to the bad guy. He lives in a place so hot, he cannot even consider stepping foot in a hot tub. The man who once hedged and then said he didn't. It's the SK, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now... SK, you fired up? I'm fired up right now. I, I feel like wrestling's alive, and thus my veins are pumpeth. Um, I'm not fired up. I'm, ex- you know, I'm. It's a normal Silver King uh, energy level. I'm not a particularly SummerSlam level fired up or NXT, you know, whatever that was, Toronto fired up. But I'm, I'm excited. It's, Bro, you know, we got Buddy good. Murphy on this show today, and you're gonna come in like. I'm bored, brother. Well, Ryan, that don't forget that was like six days ago now. So I was I was very excited when that happened, and then they go ahead and have him lose Tuesday night on SmackDown. So we'll my excitement has been tempered. The excitement's been tempered, but yeah, you're right. I actually did briefly forget about that. Our interview with Buddy Murphy is fantastic. If you've been a longtime listener of this show, BC, you tell me. I'm going top five interviews. Top five. Yeah, he 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 kicked me. Actually, a flying knee right to my feel hole. The guy inspired me. Great interview. Loved his honesty. Can't wait to play that for you. But, Adam, it ain't just you and me today. It ain't just you and me and Buddy F and Murphy. No, there's a third man. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? A show so big, breaking down all things all out and beyond. We had to bring back one of our favorites, CBS Sports' writer, editor, personality himself northeastern pennsylvania's own jack crosby in the house again this week jack i got one question for you now 
Monday. Great to have you back on, brother. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. As always, a pleasure. You forgot to mention Yingling Connoisseur. Yingling Connoisseur. Jack, what is the uh, your your go to Yingling uh, variety flavor at the moment? Uh, you, you know that you you know this, but I'll tell the listeners: you got to go with the black and tan. You got to go strong. You got to go right in strong Damn to the right. black and tan. Black and tan. Then from there we go down to the original. You got to go with the traditional, and then you can start playing around with the other stuff like the Golden Pilsner and the Ch- yeah. more Chesterfield Ale. I love yeah, my that, love That's so more much. like pissing a bottle. But I stand by the black and tan. I stand by the lager. Thank the you. The black and tan's great, and yeah. and ma- many restaurants, not all, of course. Many know that the real key with black and tan is to use them to beer batter onion rings. And when you get black and tan onion rings, you're at a different level right there. Wow. That's that's a good point, Adam. That's a really good point. Wow, this guy, Adam, almost going Dwyer. I don't know if anybody here listens to the, uh, the boxing show. Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. All right there. I like that from you, Adam. All right, um, guys. Uh, Jack. Yes, sir. Here's what I'm going to say. All right, we're going to break down all out. We're going to do a lot of things on the show. A lot of things that are going to make the people feel it. All right. Adam and I, last few weeks, we've been honest. We've been, look, all out's probably going to be great, but they're not invading my senses. They're not knocking on my door to get me fired up. And I think I was right in saying that. But this week, right now, August 38th, what, what, whatever the date is in the year of our Lord 2019, thank you, Nick Costos. I could not be more jazzed for All Out. Here's why. My job as a fan is to go out of my way to watch the stuff they produce, being the elite and road to All Out. Their job as a promotion is to load up both of those two shows with the kind of hot fire promos and the kind of storyline builds that get me to appointment viewing on Saturday night. Not just, man, I want to see this show because it'll probably be good, but this is the official launching point. Not fight for the damn fighters or the fallen or anything like that. No fighter fest. No one's, you know, no one's taking one for the team here. This right here, one month out from the launch of their TNT series, is the real starting point. And I got to say, from BTE to all the road to All Out, I am now fired the hell up. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you, no, you have every right to be, and I'm fired up for it, even though, due to some personal circumstances, I have no idea when I'm going to be able to watch this show. But I'm I'm fired up for it. Um, be, just because the simple fact that this is going to lead into TNT. So, you know, like you, like you said, like Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest, they were just to, 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 you know, wet the palate a little bit of what we're going to see from these guys. But what I like about All Out is that you feel kind of like Double or Nothing. You feel that it has significant meaning because this is leading into the television. And with BTE and the road, the, those road to All Outs are phenomenally done. Like if that transition, I can't wait to see how that translates over to TNT. Like if TNT like tries to dabble in that or any way, if they're, or if AEW and those guys are allowed to keep going the way they're going, because that would be come across fantastic on television on a weekly basis. But I'm fired up because there's there's a lot that, that we're going to know before we see these guys again on October 2nd. Yeah, I mean, Adam, there's got to be this show. Now, I think it doubled down on the pressure because this build the last week and a half has been so good that this show better better leave us cliffhanging for October 2nd. It better leave us fired the damn hell up because you can't be, Adam Silverstein, just another promotion You got to be a competitor because your boy Cody won't stop comparing himself to VKM's company. 
So you better back it up. No, you won't. And he's even taking shots at them uh, in simply with Moxley getting hurt, which we'll talk about in depth later in the show on being the elite. I believe it was uh, when it was proposed, you know, in, in a mock situation. Oh, let's add Omega to the title match as a triple threat. No, you know, that's what WWE would do. Like that was a bad thing or something like that. Um, here's the truth. I, you know, I, I'm going to stand firm in what I've said. I, maybe the last two episodes have pushed you a little further, BC, towards getting fired the hell up, as you like to say. Um, there was one moment this week that got me fired the hell up, and, and we'll talk about that later. But other than that, it was very much of the same. It's, uh, there's a lot of promo. I, I, don't, I, don't feel, I don't feel like they've made this show important to me. Well, I to get to I know what it is. I know it's going to be great. So because of that, I'm excited. But I don't think they have gone out, reached out, and pulled the field hole open and then stuffed it full to get me excited to, get me to buy this show. To get me to buy this show if I wasn't going to already. Let's say. Wow, who's firing off sirens right there? That was weird. Anybody's fire alarm going off, or was that my wrestling heart? I heard those weird <laughs> things going on there. I will say this though: the the key to my wrestling heart is intense promos in the last couple episodes, man. They are bringing them, so I'm ready for it. Can't wait to see where wrestling is going. And by the way, Raw and SmackDown did bring it this week as far as in-ring quality, so I am a happy fan. But it's not just a big week for wrestling, folks. I know the two of you, Cross and SK, are big on CBS Sports is college football coverage. And college football is back, brother, so it's only fitting that CBS Sports is Cover 3 podcast has you covered as well. You know what you get? You know what you get from this pod, Jack Crosby? What do you get, BC? You get latest news and insight, but even more importantly, you get can't miss locks. And new to the podcast this year, instant Saturday night analysis. Where were you last Saturday on week zero when Florida and Miami hit the final whistle? I'll tell you where Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fornelli was getting you ready with the IA pod from cover three. They're not just doing that last week. They'll be back again. Week one download and subscribe to the cover three college football podcast on Apple podcast today. I don't know. Maybe tell them BC sent you. Can you vouch for that pod SK? Yeah. Great pod. Uh, Chip and Barton are the main hosts. Really, really good. They're doing very much in the style of state of combat. We kind of originated it here. Instant analysis. Now, Every Saturday night after the college football week is over, we have found great success for that here, and we have passed that along to my friends on the other side of my job in college football, Chip and Barton. So, yes, be sure to subscribe to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast here on CBS Sports BC. And as I say every week, we got a lot of show to get to, and there's only one way we can get to it. It's by starting in the main event. And I know we spoke a lot about AEW and All Out off the top, and we are going to get to that. We have a full preview of AEW All Out and the big news that happened regarding that company this week. But before we do, we have some WWE to get to, BC and, and Jack, because if we're being honest, they've stepped their game up the last few weeks, and I think that continued again Monday night on Raw. And whether you like the storyline, whether maybe you're a little bit more in my camp and you feel like it's really reaching back to the Attitude Era, they're going all in with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman to the point that they are now challenging, or I should say Strowman is challenging for the universal title at clash of champions, BC. So is this a nice bit of nostalgia going back to old WWE attitude era storylines where 
yeah, yeah, team up two massive stars. You have them win the titles, but they have their own internal conflict at the same time. Or is this almost WWE kind of saying, well, we don't really have a challenger for Seth right now, so we're going to go with Braun? Not really sure. Either way, either way it works. Either way, it's popping me. And I think the key to making me feel good about this is Braun's mean again. Braun's title focused again. Braun's not looking for kids in the crowd. He's not looking for new ways to bring the roof off of the building or try to vehicular manslaughter somebody and then, by the way, not even get suspended by the company for that. He's trying to go for gold, and he's a little bit, uh, he's not trying to be a nice guy about it, so I love that. And something you hit me up with on Slack, Jack, is you said, look, they're not pushing Seth Rollins as a bitch anymore. They're not pushing him as anything but a tough guy now who says, all right, all right, Braun, you want to go after this belt? Well, on the same night, we're going to defend our tag titles, and then I'm giving you the chance, and then I'm going to beat you. And sometimes that's WWE's biggest problem, right? Yeah, there's 50-50 booking. There's other things we don't like. Sometimes they just don't make the chase for the title matter and the manly personalities of the men involved be up to par to where men would actually be doing this. It's all going back to what I love about NJPW. Make the fight feel like a pseudo MMA match where the title is the most important thing and their attitude is so focused on that that they don't have time for goofing around, joking, selling t-shirts, doing anything. They don't even have time for looking at a nice piece of pie. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. He may get one this weekend because he sure ain't wrestling there, Renee. But you get my point. Braun's back. Seth is back. So that means I'm back. I think that's fair. I mean... You are right where we went through such a period of time with Braun Strowman where it was, what's he going to flip over this week? What type of destruction is he going to cause? I think the smartest thing they did was they went with Bobby Lashley and they had that moment with the Titantron area, right? And what I wish they had said in their head was, we're not going to be able to top this, so let's get away from it. Instead, they pulled off that terrible gimmick falling into a huge piece of padding at whatever the ensuing pay-per-view was following that Raw a couple weeks later. And it just got, like, monotonous and boring. What I like about Braun is they gave him time away. They said, look, take a couple weeks away from TV. We're going to kind of forget about you. We'll throw you in one backstage thing with Maria. And when we bring you back, we're going to have something legit for you to do. And they've actually followed through with it. And you know what? He's not the only one that they've done that with recently. There are people, Robert Roode, who we're going to get to in a moment, who's been away from TV for a while. They had him come back. He won a singles match. He reestablished himself. And now he's all of a sudden in something that's important. So I love what they've done with Braun more than what they've done with Seth because Seth was always an easy fix. Seth going over Lesnar was the fix. From there, they're just not ruining it, in my opinion. Jack, do you kind of agree with that? Do you see that Seth and Braun is a legitimate Universal title match that you actually want to see that with you, if you weren't watching every WWE pay-per-view, would get you to tune into Clash of Champions. Yeah, and like BC alluded to, we were just talking about this yesterday privately, Brian and I. It's that when when it was clear at first they were doing Braun versus Seth, I cringed, like a lot of other people. But, slowly but surely, they've made me care, which is something WWE has not done greatly over the past few years. They've made me care. But, this also, and like you touched on a really good point, Adam, with um, Brown and Bobby Lashley. When Paul Heyman took over, the reports flooded in that he had three priorities. Rehabilitate the Braun Strowman character, make people care about Ricochet, and get Seth on the right track as a top champion. He succeeded. Uh, 
two-thirds of what we just – because Ricochet doesn't factor into this equation, but two-thirds of that, Paul Heyman is succeeding. And, and Brian, you're like – we all know it. The guy can't handle a checkbook, Paul Heyman. But what he's been traditionally great at is making us care about characters that we might not care about. I mean, this is the guy that made a beer drinker who couldn't wrestle a lick, if you asked him to, in The Sandman, made him one of the biggest wrestling stars in the country at the time, just because he drank beer and hit people with a cane. You know, accentuates the po- accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. There it is. Like, previously, Braun was maybe talking a little too much. Braun still talks, but if you notice, his dialogue is just quick and to the point. I'm the monster, I'm going to hurt you. Seth, again... Like Brian said, I did admit, like his title reign after WrestleMania, he was a whiny baby. And just, it was like he was asking the fans, please love me, please love me. Right. And then we were like, no, man, you know what? You're not working. But now doing stuff like looking Brad Strowman in the face and saying, okay, we'll defend these titles. And then I'll see you in the main event, bud. Well, they sure sound tried everything. I mean, that that promo he cut ahead of SummerSlam just wasn't cutting it. So where we are now, and maybe, you know, Adam said he went over Lesnar recently. He also went over Becky in Hawaii. So shout out to him for that. He put a ring on it. But uh, maybe that has changed him now to act more like a man and be booked as one. But I'm in on it. I'm also in on Braun sabotaging their tag team title run, which could be the direction we're going just to attempt to weaken Seth for the match later. Just the fact that I'm concocting these means that ahead of Clash of Champions, they have a storyline that's going to work. Well, that's the Attitude Era booking, though. It's it's you become tag team champions with the person only to sabotage your team, lose the titles to make the guy vulnerable to to win. And if he does that and they actually turn Braun heel again, then it works. But but the truth is, and and this is where we always end up with Braun. Vince doesn't think he needs to win the title to be dominant and be relevant. And he's right in many regards. Braun doesn't really need the universal title or the WWE championship. But when you get to a point where you have him turn on Seth, and then let's say you turn him heel, and then they go head-to-head in the main event of this pay-per-view, you only have two options. Braun winning the title, which makes Seth, I don't want to say it makes him look weak because Braun's huge, but he just beat Lesnar. Or now you have Seth Rollins, who has beaten Brock Lesnar, and Braun Strowman, one-on-one, you would expect clean that, in back-to-back paper. <laughs> I really okay, don't okay. love that. Unless he goes right into a Roman feud heading into Mania, I really don't know. love that. Exactly. That's And that's the issue. So I did think it was interesting, guys, that rather than just give them the revival or the War Raiders or something, they went ahead and created a team that I think is at least believable in terms of a, a, a team that would compete against two other major stars. We may not have seen Robert Roode much lately, but at least if you're an NXT fan, you know he's a former NXT champion, and honestly, it would probably be good if WWE said that on television, but they put them in a tag team turmoil, eight-team match, which was a gauntlet match. That really wasn't a tag team yeah, turmoil match, but I don't know why they called it that, but they had them. They didn't run the table, but they had them go over, I think, four teams and become the number one contender. So yeah, BC, they had them go over jobbers, though, bro. They had, I mean, it wasn't that. Here's the well, thing. Robert Roode sucks, bro. Get they, disqualified. They yeah. ruined him. He sucks. I don't need Robert Roode. I don't need him teaming with Ziggler. It's probably the best way to shine him up at the moment. But, I mean, that was a turmoil. It was crap. It was It was a, uh, hey, let's put like, him over a bunch of jobber teams, and now they get a title shot. Fine. That's did fine. Not, did you not think, look, standing next to each other, that they kind of looked a little bit, a little bit, 10%. Like Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect. Nah. And and part of that is me being bitter that Dolph Ziggler didn't get the right 
booking and presentation in his recent run at the top. We, we've been crying for Dolph Ziggler to get that run at the top. Well, then he got it, and then we kind of wanted it to go away. The feud with Seth sucked. He didn't really raise the bar enough against Kofi. I'm not really sure who to blame there overall. And then he became a joke again. And now I feel like this tag team is a joke. My personal thing. You may be popping for it. That's fine. Not moving my needle. All right. I don't know. I think they took two guys who they're not really doing much with. They have a dearth of tag teams and they've kind of established them relatively quickly. I just Robert Root, it's over for me. Like he has to do something dramatic to make me feel what I originally felt in NXT when it wasn't about the song, but the song helped him get to a new level. He's still about the song to a degree and doesn't have that new identity yet. Maybe this will grow on me. Maybe this will change me. But right now, I still look at him as somewhat damaged goods. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Moving on to the biggest story from SmackDown, which Jack knows at least since we were both online last night, I was bitching about it really exceedingly bothered me you have this daniel bryan uh roman reigns eric rowan storyline and it seems like it's the fourth week in a row bc where they've kind of given us oh hey we have four minutes left in smackdown let's give you the quickest update from this angle and try to leave you on a cliffhanger what did you think of what they did yeah the cliffhanger didn't work this time i mean brian sold it as best he could the slaps on rowan were fantastic i just didn't think it was enough this week it almost felt like the storyline took a step back. Is that Rowan back there? Is that that weird guy with the beard? But it doesn't leave me wanting to know. It just sort of leaves me going, do they not know where they're going with this? Because it, I don't know. It just I felt like they had conditioned me last week, and I said it on the show, to start believing in the storyline, to start believing that they've got a giant picture that probably ends with Roman and Daniel Bryan at, at Survivor Series. And if it, if it is, it'd be fantastic. And if Buddy Murphy is used in that even more than he recently has along the way, that'd be even greater. Now I just don't know where they're going, but like I said, not in a good cliffhangery way, just in a where-the-hell-are-we sort of way. Jack, am I wrong that they show a guy in a hooded sweatshirt with a red beard, and it very easily could have been the fake guy from last week, right? Yeah, like when Brian... Because I, I actually I couldn't watch it live last night, but I watched it. I did watch it this morning after I woke up. Like when, when they showed this thing, and Brian turns around, starts slapping Eric Rowe, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, Daniel, hold on, that could be that dude you had in that room last week. That you didn't zoom in. That wasn't Eric. Rowe. Why are you doing this?" It almost feel like they should have revealed that after this segment, right? This should be next week. Should thing should have been, "Hey, hey, uh, Roman, we found the guy. Here's this guy with the dyed red beard. Why beforehand? I don't understand that at all." But- yeah, right. Like if you, you, you see it, it's far away. It doesn't look very clear. And then you reveal the guy, you get Roman confused and you, and you follow it up. But okay. So they showed that they're not even talking about, well, what about the car that tried to hit him? Was it also Rowan? And they had Rowan very easily admit to Daniel Bryan that, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I did it or whatever. But how would he have done it without Brian knowing? Why would he have done it? I guess these are the questions they want us asking to tune in next week. Where's Buddy Murphy? How do you just remove him from that when he essentially got caught in a lie last week, right? And they're not giving us any reason to – like they're not giving me any reason to care. They've taken two guys who if they ended up you know, paying it off early at SummerSlam backstage and then put a match in the final hour of the show, I would have been fine with. But this is Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, who, by the way, BC and Jack, they have rehabilitated. To give them credit, the fans 
are cheering Roman Reigns. They like him when he comes to the ring, when he speaks on the mic, right? And they hate Daniel Bryan. And juxtaposing them against each other is great. It really helps both sell the heel and face, right? So they have this. And they're a month away from uh, Fox, maybe even a little bit less. And I got to be honest, my takeaway last night from SmackDown, SmackDown was horrible last night for me. Not not just the last 30 minutes like the week prior no, where no, I no. thought it was pretty good. No, no, no. The entire show yesterday was bad. No, no, no. Not true. Not true, Adam. You're, don't let the final two minutes of that show uh, cloud what I thought was a fantastic night of in-ring wrestling. I w- Look, I was prepared to fast-forward through the hell out of that show, all right? I started watching it last night, and I just got angry. It was I just didn't feel like watching it. I ended up... Uh, Oh, I ended up rewatching Anthony Joshua's, I mean, Anthony Johnson's entire UFC run, by the way, <laughs> Rampage, after the announcement that he's going to be back as a jacked heavyweight. Rewatching his welterweight matches, by the way, with, a, with, a, with some beer and some pink wine. High theater in my basement. But here's the point. I tune in. Yeah, the, the wife's got me on pink wine. She knows I got bad hangovers. I don't, understand, I don't understand you know? your obsession with this pink wine. There's no hangovers. Talk about That's it. the only obsession. My wife's sick of hearing me in the morning uh, with my old guy two-bear hangover because my body just can't handle it anymore. Here's what I'm saying, though, guys. I wake up this morning going, all right, I got to power through SmackDown. You know what that normally means? Fast forward through all forms of in-ring action. I thought those matches hooked me. Jack, are you kidding me? Those matches... Biggie and Orton, I was transfixed. Uh, Lacey Evans and Bailey, dude, I could not wait to fast forward through that. I stuck through it. I thought it was great. I, I didn't mind the, the the entering action, and like Adam and I talked about this last night. I also did. What I also didn't like was as I was doing what I had to do last night, I was watching Twitter just to see if I could keep up as much, and everybody crying and moaning about Ali beating Buddy Murphy, and I just sent out the tweet. I was like, so you're telling me. One great professional wrestler beat another great professional in a great wrestler match, by the in way. a great professional wrestling match. I am shocked. And by the that's way, Gable not, Benjamin was the, fun that's as not what balls the complaints too. Are about man, For, that's but this is a rivalry. And plus, Ali was here first, so we we don't we don't get to cry about Ali losing his spot, his push when he, which was not of his fault, by the way, just an injury. So when he goes over the guy that comes after him, oh. which he had a rivalry with on another brand, which we know there's going to be future matches between these two. It's just, okay, you got me this time. I'll get you next time. All right, and no. plus, they hold Buddy Murphy pin Daniel Bryan. Ali pin Daniel Bryan. They have All right, hold on a second win. here. They have a common pinfall oh, victory. Before we get deep into Daniel or Ali and, and Murphy, Adam, you need to back up that that was a bad episode of SmackDown. I mean, Gable Benjamin was really fun, too. That was a great show. Oh, you like the 90 seconds of Gable and Benjamin? Listen, the matches that you guys reference, uh, the Lacey and, and Bailey did nothing for me. But, Dude, Lacey's but the, ready to main event my heart and the this Ali, brand. She's right? not ready for anything. The Ali-Murphy match and the Biggie randy Orton match were very, very good. So I enjoyed watching those wrestling matches. But uh, let's call it 25 minutes of wrestling does not save a two-hour show for me when I think the storylines suck. I mean, you have Randy Orton, uh, and, and we can kind of move over to this, Randy Orton stomping all over New Day, right? Again, Brian, we just talked about this, pulling the AJ Styles Samoa Joe card where there's a letter from a family member that he's reading. With Samoa Joe, it was the wife. With him, it's Kofi's son. It's the same damn storyline. It's rinse rinse and repeat. And it was great with AJ and Samoa Joe, but now it's just like, it's like a carbon copy of it. Right, but but here's what won it. Kofi's intensity. Kofi runs into Gorilla and he's pushing Danny Orton over on a table. The intensity 
I mean, you've said it yourself. Sometimes predictable isn't awful if they execute. That was executed. Kofi comes in like a madman, starts a huge brawl, and then ends up eating an RKO in Gorilla. I'm popping for that. No, it was good, but but again, a couple moments doesn't make an entire episode good. I was. I'm now giving episode, you six or seven moments, including um, and I've said three are good, including the Ali match, which was one of the better matches in terms of intensity, moves. That Ali Murphy match was feel spot activated. There were three. There were three good moments on the show. The the entire booking and writing of the show, top to bottom, the match, the decision. Which I, I mean, I want to talk about it. But uh, Ali going over Buddy Murphy. Let's but do it. We can Let's wait a little bit right if you now, want. Adam. It was a terrible decision. No, no, no. It was a terrible decision based on their current booking. What they have done with those guys the last few weeks. It made zero sense. I don't care who won. You know, yes, we're in Buddy Murphy's camp. We want him to win and and get a, an advance in the King of the Ring. But forgetting that, it doesn't make booking sense. For him to lose that match one week after losing to Daniel Bryan, where you have Ali, who it looked like was in the middle of a push, looked like he had earned an intercontinental title shot against Shinsuke Nakamura. They forgot about it, kept him off TV for a couple weeks, and now they bring him back and have him beat the guy who they were putting over pre-match as, oh my God, look what Buddy Murphy's doing. He's breaking out as a major star, and then they have him lose. So I, it's not about it who you. won or who lost the match. It's about the booking well, and the is. writing. You just said it honestly, was about who won it was lost shit. the match. So hold on. Uh, first of all, Andre the Giant's got a message for you, Adam. You think you're going to come in my, on my back all the time? You're not. You're not going to do that to a legend, first of all. Second of all, Adam, uh, unless your argument is what the F with 50-50 booking, right? Murphy loses to Reigns in a classic, beats Daniel Bryan in a really good match, and now loses to Ali in a really good match. If that's your sole point of criticism mixed with what you did nail, we love us, somebody, Murphy. If that's your your standpoint, I get it. Outside of that, here's the deal. I don't want King of the Ring matches that end in interference and distractions. I don't. I know they used it a couple times, and with guys like Baron Corbin and, and Elias, it probably does work. But here's the deal. I want those to be heavily competitive matches that end with somebody deserving to advance. So in this case, we got that. And number two, Bud Murphy, who I love, he entered that Cruiserweight title tournament with all of us going, man, this guy's got to go over. And he didn't. But you know what happened right after that? He became the champion. He had his moment in Australia, and he won all our hearts, and look where he is now. So I do think this is one of those spots where unless you're just going to harp on 50-50, we got to stop and go, maybe this is the catapult to something much bigger. Maybe they don't need him to win. So rather than have him go to the finals and potentially lose to a Baron Corbin where we'd be triple crapping on it, I'd actually rather have him lose in a mini classic to Ali clean where it was high theater. It was high flying. And I think they both came out elevated from that. Now, let me present a hypothetical here for everyone that's Buddy Murphy is out of the tournament and he has free time on his hands. Now, we already talked about how they are dragging this Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan thing. And we have pay-per-views before. So was, I think it was BC you mentioned a potential Survivor Series match where we finally blow off the singles with Roman and Bryan. How many people are going to complain if in between that period at one of these pay-per-views that Buddy Murphy is standing next to Roman Reigns yeah, as a tag it, team partner? It's logical. It seems like what they're doing. Yeah. So now, so he's out of the tournament and Ali can continue his push, maybe, maybe towards a King of the Ring victory. We don't know that yet, but Buddy, Buddy isn't just going to fall into the depths of obscurity here. What if he gets to stand? Roman says, hey, man, you earned my respect in that match. I need your help against these two idiots. Can you help me? And Buddy says, all right, man, I'll help you out. 
Buddy Murphy now aren't got a spotlight opposite Roman Reigns that we all freaked out about, and rightfully so. Then he would get a spotlight standing next to Roman Reigns. I don't see any complaints there. So yeah, he has but, free time. But you could still do that and keep your booking solid by having – just because he wins one King of the Ring match doesn't mean he's going to win it all. His next match is going to be – I think it's going to be Ali Andrade, right? So you have Buddy Murphy just beat Daniel Bryan. You have him beat Ali. He's hot. And then you have Andrade beat him clean. Andrade, who won his only match with interference from Zelina Vega. Now you have pushed Andrade to a nice level, having him get a, a win over a guy who just beat two really good competitors. And you still have Buddy Murphy free to do what you're saying with Roman Reigns. It, the booking in the moment wasn't good. It just – based on what they have done on television recently on SmackDown, it did not make sense. It did not make good booking sense for Ali to win that match. If you were going to have Ali come out of this and challenge Nakamura for the title and say, look, Nakamura, you know, I beat you. Um, I won two King of the Ring matches. I deserve a title shot. Fine. But they've completely forgotten about it in lieu of this Sami Zayn, Miz. And, and I, Brian, you may like it. Awful. Like, just mind-numbing storyline with Shinsuke Nakamura that I just don't care an inch about. So, it, yeah, unless they're going to have Ali win yet. this whole thing. If they have Ali win this whole thing, then I'll accept it. All right, so Adam, here's the deal. This was a bad booking decision. I think this is the wrong hill to die on because you don't know if it's good booking yet until you see what happens in the tournament. You know, if Ali makes a run to it, then getting through Buddy Murphy when we didn't expect it turns out to be this great upset win where he sort of elevated himself. So you kind of got to wait and see, again, unless we're going to bitch about the 50-50, and I don't love it. I don't love the straight-up 50-50 booking, but I think it's fair he lost to Ali, and I was entertained as hell. Great episode of SmackDown. It was a great match, and I will tell you this. Everything that you and I have talked about, that I have talked about on this show from King of the Ring, in Ali Murphy and Ricochet Drew McIntyre, that is King of the Ring to me. Those are the matches I want, and there's really not a good reason that we can't get those for 75% of the matches in this tournament. What, what, what is there to be angry about on that? It was a great match. I'm not being angry. What, ta- what are you talking about? The booking on Buddy and Ali. Just, I explained it three times. I'm not going to explain lo- it. Just let your heart love, Adam. Love the match it. Was great. I, I will say it again, and I, I will. Not to mention, not I was, to mention, too. When we're at the G1, okay, for example, I, I, I do it. I don't want. I don't want to be that guy, but I got to use that as an example. Say, uh, yo, Kata's a champion. He loses, and we go, oh man, but it's been a grueling stretch. Uh, Buddy Murphy just spent the better part of the last two weeks wrestling Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. So he goes in there with someone as great as Ali, who's a little more fresh, and we could go, all right, you know what? Yeah, he got got in a pretty yeah, no, good match. But look at what he look at what his last two weeks have been like. Not to mention getting the crap beat out of him backstage every single week. And you so know, if we're going to use that logic for something like the G one, why can't we use it here with Buddy? And you know what the difference is, Jack? Here's why: because they did show a package before the match or, or earlier in the show. I forget about that. But the difference is NJPW. You have Kevin Kelly after the match saying. Wow, valiant effort for Buddy Murphy. He's been through so much. He tells you the story. Wherever you have Tom Phillips, oh my God, Ali, 450 splash. He won. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's on them. But I mean, but looking from a fan's perspective, if you if you want to rationalize that thing, you just look true. at Buddy, you say, God, like he took Roman Reigns to the limit. He had Daniel Bryan, to, yeah, whereas Jack, Ali just comes in and says, all right, I got you. But then we're doing what we always do for them, which is we as fans are filling in the gaps. And that's not what you want. For, I don't want. I don't want to tell myself the Game of Thrones story. I want Game of Thrones to tell me the story. So, so we're doing their job, and that's what my point is with this booking. And that's why I don't like it based on what they the story they had been telling us with Buddy Murphy over the last few weeks. I don't think 
this is an outrageous situation, uh, an outrageous opinion to have. It has nothing to do with him actually losing. It has to do with him losing in context of him just beating Daniel Bryan and them not giving a damn about Ali for the last few weeks. I just like Bryan. I think this argument is, I don't want to say, I think pointless is too strong of a word, but not as relevant as we think it is until we see what the future holds. Again, even if let's say we go with what you're talking about with like teaming up with Reigns, which I think is probably what they're going to do, right? They still could have done it and had him win the match. That uh, Unless Ali's winning this entire thing, to me. Because Ali, Ali, too, like you said, I, yeah, I was a little disappointed they dropped the Nakamura storyline for the Intercontinental Championship. However, and we, because don't forget what the original plans were. He, in those awesome promos he cuts on the street, it wasn't the Intercontinental Championship. He keeps saying, I'm going to be WWE champion. Yeah. I am going to be WWE champion. Never said Intercontinental champion. Now, for all we know, maybe someone, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit, maybe somebody looked and said, you know what? I don't think the IC title program is right for this guy. Maybe we start a slow build with maybe a King of the Ring victory, maybe a Royal Rumble victory. Might be stretching it a little bit, but maybe we push this because that was his message. I'm going to be this. So if Ali ends up six, and maybe even stretch it out as far as 12 months from now, ends up becoming the WWE champion, then we look back on him beating Buddy Murphy and go, all right, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. that makes sense. So, so you're going to give, here's my thing, Jack. We can't give them credit for something that might happen eight months from now. If that, it does, yeah, but that's it why I said it, I don't want to give them too much credit now, Jack, now if, but if it, if does, it does, if it does retroactively, if WWE, yeah. if WWE long-term books Ali for eight months into winning King of the Ring, actually that's all they need to do is have him win King of the Ring, but winning King of the Ring and becoming WWE champion, then retroactively, I will come back on this podcast and tell you I have had no issue whatsoever. You will hedge, you will hedge, but here's the deal, Adam, just wait and see, it's a tournament it's like the NCAA tournament. We can allow upsets. Cedric Alexander just beat Drew McIntyre, and it was friggin' fantastic. We didn't complain. We love upsets. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Debbie Downer to Monday Night Raw. Don't be that, Adam. Don't be right. that. Again, you guys are kind of misinterpreting what I'm trying to say. Based on their booking, this was not the right Don't decision. go back to the well. The people heard you, Adam. The people heard you. The larger point, the larger point is that WWE put this great match on television for us on you SmackDown. You already told us the point. And and they gave us the same one, in my opinion, Monday night with Ricochet Drew McIntyre. And as Jack mentioned earlier, the three things Paul Heyman wanted to do when he t- took over Raw, the crowd reaction, in my opinion, to Ricochet right now, it may be second to none in terms of male wrestlers in WWE. Maybe every, more, than, more than Kofi, more than Roman, more than Seth. Every single week, Ricochet's pops and cheers get bigger and bigger. And every, it's amazing to watch. Every single week, they're bigger and better. It's incredible. And people had the same issue, uh, Brian, BC, with Ricochet going over McIntyre. I didn't have that issue because they hadn't booked anything for McIntyre to make him seem like he should win this match. All right. Did you think the right person went over here? I said Cedric Maxson. I met Ricochet. Um, yeah, because you're pushing Ricochet as a star, and he's gotten great booking, and this is a monumental win, and he's such a great worker that I think you want him in this tournament. This isn't necessarily a tournament for McIntyre to win, and I'm glad they didn't go that route because I think the King gimmick – would soften and and make him a little too comical when we need him being a destroyer. But I don't see how you can be upset at the booking on one side and not be upset at this. I think it's the same thing. Buddy Murphy got propped up lately. Well, so did Drew McIntyre. He's getting propped up all the time and not getting a title or a push. It's really the same thing. Both of these were upsets. Both of these were hella entertaining. 
And yeah, I'm for both guys getting the push. Let's see what happens next. I don't necessarily like seeing Drew McIntyre lose every time he gets in a title position or gets a big push. But in this case, this match won me over. It was fantastic. Drew hadn't been propped up at all. He didn't beat anyone of any consequence recently, especially not the week before. It's He'd not been the propped up as a ready title winning main eventer and hasn't really gone anywhere. He's sort of floating there here. in that yeah. Braun Strowman space where it's like, are you going to are you going to do it or not? Do you do you want him or not? Do you trust him or not? Where even though I didn't want him to win King of the Ring, it could have been a good use of we don't have a title for him at the moment. Let's give him that. And again, the fact that they didn't. It's not a complaint. It's a, okay, interesting. Let's see where we go. Is Ricochet going to win this? I don't know who's going to win this. And that's what I like about the tournament. Well, you have him, Samoa Joe, and Braun kind of all in that same little area right there. What do you think, BC, about Corbin and Elias both going full blow, you know, sitting in the th- on the throne with the scepter and the crown on and, and all that stuff? Is it campy for you? Is it is it what, you know, I kind of said initially I didn't want from this tournament? Or are you okay with it? Did it did it get a, get you going? Give me a chance to tell you. I'll tell you, Adam. It's great because those two are uh, corny characters who rely on this type of heat drawing corn to get over. So it fits them. It doesn't fit Drew McIntyre. I don't need him uh, getting dumbed down with the king thing. These guys can make it work, and I love that they're doing it. It's history. It's tradition. Walk around with the scepter. Some guys make it work. Obviously, look at history. King Booker made it work. There's guys that can really elevate that thing and elevate themselves in the process. I think either Elias or Corbin are that, but I don't want them to win here. I think the best way to book King of the Ring is with a babyface who may have title potential in the future, and you want to test him to find out. Baron Corbin's already been through the loop of heel booking to try to get us angry. We've been down that road many, 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 many times. And here's the deal on Elias. Softly, they kind of ruined him. I'm not going to sit here and argue about it. I know that's the decision they went to constantly get him interrupted and make him this buffoon. This dude was so freaking cool at the point of his main event launch, and they put a lot of effort into it, and I don't necessarily love that he's become a joke, but that's WWE style. Inevitably, you're going to kiss somebody's ass. Inevitably, you're going to be a joke. I wish Elias could get a little bit more of a serious gig, so I hope they keep him the hell away from the king. I, I don't really... BC, I got to disagree. I don't really feel so bad for Elias, per se. I mean, he always he always gets prominent spots whether he looks like a buffoon or not he's doing stuff with fox sports like they they could like you know and this happens with a lot of guys in in the company's history they love the dude obviously it's just that sometimes he has to you know like triple h said that one time um eat, you have to eat crap and learn to like the taste of it that's the WWE way, though, Jack. That doesn't mean that so, that needs to be the way. But, but I, I, that doesn't make me necessarily like some people say, oh, well, this dude, I don't feel bad for the guy at all. Like, he's obviously, he's making yeah, but, a nice living. But let me interrupt you and, and say he this, Jack. prominent spots, and he's getting these, like, I don't really feel bad for Elias at all, to be it's honest It's funny that you. you use Trips as saying that, because what's Trips' model in NXT? That everyone's taken seriously. Everyone gets cheered. That's why they're so I, beloved, because they don't have to eat crap in NXT. That's also why Elias didn't stay in NXT because we knew from the from the moment you saw that man in NXT, he said he's not fit for this. This this guy's going to flourish on the main. And they're not going to die on the hill of let's take Elias more seriously. I do think overall though they missed the potential of what this guy could have been. Here's the truth, Elias, what he experienced in those like record boos and and then the cheers when they turned him face briefly. That was his ceiling in WWE. It always was going to be his ceiling in WWE because if we're being honest, 
especially compared to a lot of the guys that the company's bringing in from NXT and from independence right now, dude can't really wrestle. Isn't that good in the ring? Um, doesn't have a good theme. Doesn't really have anything outside of his mic work, which is great, and his guitar playing, which lends to his character. Guys like Elias, guys like Joey Ryan on the independent scene, they are guys who will draw. They'll get you in the arena. They'll entertain you. They are not guys who you make champion. Well, I'll just disagree not. with that and look at The Miz as the perfect example. Um, you can still get over and be a legitimate main eventer without being a great wrestler if your character is strong enough. And I think Elias from the beginning, when the fans were lusting after him on that initial launch, his character was strong enough, and he looks the part of badass if they went that way with the booking so much that I feel like his wrestling is enough to keep him in high-level main event feuds, which they've never given him a chance, right? It looked like he was going to feud Roman, and they put Shane McMahon all over that, that they've never given him a chance to be a straight-up badass, break guitar over people's heads, be a heel if you want to, and then just hilariously talk trash about people with the guitar. It's always been more about, all right, here's Elias for really no reason, and then we're going to make fun of him. I think if they had went that way, you'll see what his true ceiling is. Here's the thing. You're comparing him to The Miz, though. But The Miz was only in the WWE main event when they had a massive dearth of main eventers. And one of the reasons he was there was because he was one of the few people in the company who could actually go toe-to-toe with John Cena on the mic. I'm not even talking and about they, then. I'm talking about now, Adam. I'm talking about now. Miz is a legitimate main eventer now because he can talk no, so not. well. He's a, mid- he's a mid-carter. He's not a mid-carter. No, they definitely missed the boat okay, on his, But he has the ability to be a, a main eventer right now, Adam. He was in yes. a John Cena feud at WrestleMania just, what, two years ago. So he has the ability, the mic work, and the, and the charisma to be a main eventer right now. And even though he's not a great wrestler, he's gotten himself good enough to carry a big match. But, but let's not forget how long Miz has been in WWE to get I to the get point. That, but everybody's that got a different story. Like All that. I'm saying is you don't have to crap on a guy and make him comedy just because he can't wrestle in 2019 on the level of an Ali or whatever. There's ways to get around that when your character is strong enough. Maybe not in NXT, maybe not in New Japan, but certainly in WWE. That's one of the pluses in a Vince McMahon run organization. If you are a character, if you're Lacey Evans. Which, by the way, she can also work. You're missing the boat on that. But if you're Lacey Evans, you can get so strong over because you know your character. Elias knows his character. Don't put the crown on him. Don't put the crown on Corbin. Put it on a worker who's ready for the next level. I think the point that you're missing from me is that they don't need him in that main event role because they have so many other guys who are better, far better than he is. Not just in the ring, but total package. Like AJ Styles as a heel doesn't even compare because he has... He can talk on the level of Elias as a heel, not face AJ. That's different. And he's a million times the worker he is in the ring, not to mention he has a swag and a theme and people care about him. Elias is a kind of a one-note guy, and even if you give him a second, two notes is not a hundred notes. Give him Paul Heyman, bro. You'll see. He'll change your mind. Give him Paul Heyman. Give him me. Give him me. He'll be sleeping with every character's wife. You'll find that out very quickly and then making songs about it, and then you'll find out how tough this guy is. All right, before we get out of WWE main roster stuff, uh, we should talk a little bit women's division, mostly Sasha Banks following up on her return to television the last couple of weeks with her first in-ring promo BC. A lot of people really criticized it. I think they were being a little harsh on her. What did you think of the promo? 
and then her match against Natalia to follow the it whole up. package of Sasha Banks this week was just treading water. Didn't love it, but I don't I think it's too strong to criticize and rip it. It just didn't grab you. It just treaded water. I didn't need to see her again in an attack segment with Natalia, which we've been through twice now, and then a full match like that's to me. We don't really know where to go next. We don't really have anything. We'll go back to the well on this. If you're telling me it's a larger way to tell a larger story that connects with Becky once she gets off the beaches of Oahu, then that's fine. But this week was just sort of, yeah, let me fast forward through this. Jack, what's your review of Sasha Banks this week specifically? She tried her best in that promo. I'll give her, I, I wrote that in the, my raw recap. Like she, she tried her best, but that, I, I, I'll never understand why the creative team always has to break that fourth wall and hit the reports. And then they picked just an awful one for Sasha to run with. Just an <laughs> awful one that made me want to close my Twitter account. People who know what I'm talking Like, I wanted to just close <laughs> my computer when I heard the report that they were letting her run with. Because there were a lot of people who took it seriously. Instead right. of her possibly trolling and asking for apologies. And I just put my head in my hands and went, oh, like I almost said to you, Adam, I can't do this recap. Tonight. <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta walk away from this computer. But she she tried. But like I said, also doing the recap, I, I know BC didn't want to see it, but I think you had to get her and Natalia out of the way. I think you had to get that, yeah, yeah, get that over and done with. The, the attack with the bank, the two bank statements kind of made up for it because that's what I want to see on it. I want to see that vicious side of Sasha. But I think that she should, after seeing Monday, I really think that she should be one of the few people, kind of like a Kevin Owens, or and there's just a few others, who are sort of allowed to just present bullet points to the team and say, can I talk about this? And have them say, yes, Sasha, you can talk about this. Instead of, you know, like we learned from John Moxley, like they give you a sheet and say, here's what you got. Sasha should, I think, should be allowed to say, hey, can I bring this up? And yeah, how but, about, how about no, Sasha I, just slides I, I in TJ's DMs? Is that What's too that? much to ask? How about Sasha just slides in TJ's DMs? Is that bad booking? All right, that, that fits her character. I don't need two segments of her attacking Natalia, all right? You want to stretch this Natalia thing out? Then get inside her family, all right? Well, hey, but, but then we got the Orton thing with the kids. We can't be doing everything. can't be going after the family in this. That's, that's, this is no, a horrible every, place to work. Everything with Brian is adultery, cheating. You want to know uh, why, get, Adam? Well, if it ain't a title feud, it's got to be a grudge. To make us care, that's old school booking, bro. You ain't, you're either going up the ladder or you're settling a grudge. And by the way, if you look at UFC these days, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, you're either yeah, going after that title or that guy talked trash about you or threw a dolly through a window at you, and that's why we got to do this again. Well, yeah, I think I think the takeaway on Sasha is that I don't think it it hurt her her return. What we've seen in the last th- three weeks, but it is fair to say that. Everything we have seen except the initial attack, the initial attack was great. Everything since then could have been stronger. And I think, Jack, you make a really good point because if you think about Sasha and NXT, she was not a great promo, but she was confident. She went out there, knew what she was going to say, and sometimes it hit. Sometimes the crowd, the, the dueling Sasha's ratchet, no, she's not chance, would get to her and rattle her a little bit. But she was confident and she knew what she wanted to get across. This really felt scripted and if they can just give her the freedom they're giving becky especially when they go head to head on the mic i think that will do her extremely well because the idea the direction they're going with her of you know dgaf hbic to to not you know actually use curse words here um and the legit boss heel that we all want her to be is the right direction 
but you can't have someone be a badass, take no prisoners, and then read off a script. It's just those two things don't really come together. And if I can make just one more point about what I what I like about this feud, and of course, some of it is circumstance, like Becky's personal life recently and everything. One of the things I like about this feud is that, yes, we had Sasha's initial return and attack. But then there was the pre-tape promo. Then, you know, Becky and Seth were away this week, getting all engaged. Congratulations to them again. But what I like about this is that, and what I'd like to see happen, Becky and Sasha have not touched each other. And I don't think they should lay hands on each other until they're standing across the ring from each other for that Raw Women's Championship. I think you could, you, you, and I, I wish more wrestling feuds would do this, only certain ones. Do not let them touch each other until it comes time to wrestle for that title. And then get just build the crowd, build the crowd, because that's where you get the this is awesome chance, but as two people are just staring each other down. Don't let them touch each other. Even when Becky comes back, like, no touching until Clash or, yeah, well, likely Clash. No touching until that bell rings. And it, and it needs to be, you have to give them the time. They need 18, 20, 25 minutes. Yes. You can't have a 12-minute women's title match because they're the women and you have to get to two Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman matches. You can't do that. Touching yourself oh, is, is optional, by the way, while they're not touching each other. I love a happy ending. All right, we got to get into uh, – thank you, Bobby. Thank you. We got to get into uh, uh, Buddy and AEW. Got anything else from this week, Adam? We got, we got a lot of show to get through. Just one quick thing, because we do have a lot of show left, BC. And before we get to all those things that you so badly want to get to, Buddy Murphy interview, all-out preview, we're going all out here on the State of Combat. We got to hear from our friends and sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we're back. BC, SK, The Cross, Outback Jack, we're here. Hey, guys, why don't we throw to Buddy Murphy? We did enough teas in the bag and hyping this thing up. It's time to get the mess. Australia's own, the man who wrestles inside of my heart, the best damn thing going in wrestling today. The only guy that might actually move me on an Omega level. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you about that. I ain't lying to you. I'm telling you the damn truth. I can't find the right soundbite. All right, why don't we just find Buddy Murphy? He's coming at you right now. Enjoy. All right, now welcoming in the State of Combat podcast. Listeners, you've only been waiting two years for this. We finally tracked him down. Buddy Effin Murphy. Yes, former Cruiserweight champion, a featured player. And WWE's King of the Ring tournament, which of course you can, can you can catch every Monday and Tuesday night, USA Network, 8 p.m. Eastern on Raw and SmackDown. Buddy, when I say long time coming, you got to understand 
We bought the Buddy Murphy stock on day one-ish on this show when you became a cruiserweight, and we basically said, WrestleMania main event material right here in front of us. It's been a wild ride for you in the last couple of years, man. How do you sum this up? Um, yeah, man, it's been a wild ride. It, uh, it goes back a little bit further than just the cruiserweight. Obviously, I was in NXT for a, for a long while. Um, you know, saw some success there. Um, but majority of the time found myself lost. Um, but man, it all goes full circle and, uh, it's been a crazy ride, but, uh, you know, that glass ceiling that everyone talks about it, well, I'm smashing it. So, um, you know, just doing me, man, just doing me. Well, I love that you mentioned that. Cause it's not like we didn't know you in NXT as one half of Blake and Murphy, NXT tag champions. You were part of some interesting feuds there. I mean, you guys held the title for almost a full year, but it's, a night and day difference between the Buddy Murphy from that tag team and the guy right now, or even the guy in 2018 who debuted as a cruiserweight. I mean, we uh, jaws dropped when you came out there. So what happened? That's my biggest question. What is What transformed you? What happened in your personal life to activate this? How did you turn into who you are right now? Um, well, I've always been this person, man. Um, going back, uh, to when I used to wrestle, uh, back in Australia. So, um, I was always this person. Everyone kind of thinks it was like a little overnight success. This is an overnight success. And it's not like something just suddenly happened. This has always been me. This will always be me. Um, but I think like the, the, the turning, uh, point was, uh, back in NXT. Uh, you know, like I said, I had that NXT tag team championship run. Uh, everything was looking good. Had Alexa Bliss on our side. Um, and then that all fell apart. And then uh, next thing you know, I found myself uh, not being used on television uh, for about a year and a half, maybe a little longer. So, um, you know, man, that really that really got me down because, you know, what you see today was is, is what I feel like I always had to offer. Um, but I guess that maybe some other people didn't uh, see that uh, at the time. So, uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of... Uh, soul searching I was kind of uh, running through the motion so to speak man and uh, you know to be honest counting counting the days left you know like because you, you can only do so much um, but there was a there was a time uh, oh this is going back a little bit now uh, 2017 the last uh, road loop of NXT I was on and uh, they wanted to put me and Alistair Black together and uh, you know, never wrestled Alistair Black before, and we uh, we tore it up, man. And I was like, well, I'm going to die on my own sword. I'm going to do what I do, and, uh, you know, it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, um, but you might as well die on your own sword. Um, so that that little uh, road loop that we did uh, every night, man, my, my, my mission was to steal the show. And for three nights in a row, I stole the show. And, like, my... Uh, uh, love for professional wrestling came back and I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing this. And uh, I rub people the wrong way, uh, you know, because they, they want it in a set way, man. But I, I felt like I had to do what I loved and I wanted to bring back what I loved. And, uh, you know, that was the starting point of uh, what you see today. And, uh, you know, the love for wrestling uh, is back in me. Um, and I think you can tell that by the quality um, that I want to produce. and. Uh, you know, man, I just want to. I want to be the best I can be. I want to be uh, known 
uh, as one of the best in the world. And I want people to realize that I was always this from the beginning. Did it take a lot of convincing for you to get onto 205 Live, convincing WWE management, producers, anyone like that? Uh, yeah, so I originally asked about four or five times uh, because I, I watched the cruise And the cruiserweight division was more my style because I, I, I could do that. And I was a bigger guy. Um, like I was about 230, um, 225, 230, uh, 235 at my absolute heaviest. Um, but I always enjoyed that style, and I watched uh, what they were doing on 205, and I, and I, and I felt like it was going to blow up, and I wanted to be a part of that. And um, I expressed that to them, that I think this is going to go somewhere. I want to be, be a part of it. And, uh, you know, they you know, kind of like laughed in my face, said, nah, don't worry about it. Like, no, 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 that's not happening. That's not happening. And I asked so many times, man, that I started to, you know, <laughs> get in a little bit of trouble because I was asking the same question over and over again. And the answer was already no. Um, and then I was kind of, you know, like I said, I was kind of sitting in, uh, in the dark, not knowing what to do. So to keep myself like sane that I started to change my body as like a little side project on the side. Um, and then I started to, to drop weight and then people started to look at me a little bit different. So I started taking the initiative of dropping the weight myself. Um, and then I ended up uh, sending a message to, a, to one of the guys that uh, uh, Adam Pierce, who works uh, pretty, pretty close to the guys in 205. And I sent him a message. I said, Hey man, I know that there's a, uh, there's a tournament coming up. Uh, if you have some open spots, I just want to say like, man, I'd love to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, if weight's an issue, weight's not an issue anymore because I'm down to 205. And I just sent that message, you know, and next thing you know, uh, I had to uh, go in and get a weigh-in, an actual weigh-in, uh, and prove that I was under 205. And they took a photo of me, and the next thing you know, man, the following week I was on 205 in the tournament for the uh, championship uh, match at WrestleMania to to advance. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy, crazy little story, but, uh, you know, you kind of just have to take initiative yourself and create your own opportunities. But, uh, you know, like 205 was a great opportunity for me and, and you know, I loved every minute and uh, I, lo- I love uh, what 205 brings and uh, the guys are awesome. I think the product's really good. Um, and, man, like it was, it was my launching pad. Yeah, this is inspiring to hear the way you're breaking this down, how much you fought for yourself. And I think anybody in any profession right now can, can relate to this, that you kept knocking on that door, even in the face of disgust or, or people being upset at you. And we can see it now. The new Buddy Murphy, we can see the joy that you're this, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, it seems like you you went from maybe a frustrated artist to somebody who's who's being who you thought deep inside you could always be. So I want to start right here because your debut on 205 Live, the first day you had a match there, we get on the horn on this podcast, and I talked about buying the stock on day one. I mean, we don't throw that around easily. We said, this guy's a WWE WrestleMania main eventer. I hope they know what they have in him. And a big part of that, buddy, and we, we, you know, we've went as far as calling you really the potential of being WWE's answer to Kenny Omega, who you know, universally so many people call the best wrestler in the world. Your style looked different, but it was the body. And we know the boss, VKM, 
Vince, kind of a body guy. Have you gotten on his radar? What was the first real interactive moment? Because he seems to reward guys who were going all in on themselves to make themselves better. Uh, yeah, VKM's always been good, man. Uh, he's always had some, uh, a lot of positive stuff to say. Um, but I don't need to hear the positive stuff, man. I need to hear the little uh, the, the critiques because the critiques are going to make me better. And I'm, all, and I'm all about being the best I can be. Um, you know, and, 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 it's, and I'm my own biggest critic. Um, so, like, if, if I do watch some of my, uh, my stuff back, it's, I'm, I'm not looking at what I did good or, or whatnot. I, I'm looking at what I did wrong. Um, because that's what's going to make me better. And I think uh, that mentality uh, throughout my whole uh, whole stint in wrestling uh, here in WWE and back in Australia, I was, I was always my own biggest critic. Um, and I think that that's been uh, the biggest part of it all. Um, the VTM's always been positive. Uh, everyone's kind of been really positive. But like I said, man, positive uh, stuff. Like I'm already doing that well. What am I not doing well? How am I going to get better? Um, because that's going to take me to the next level. I mean, how hard is it to, to maintain the transformation of body that you've done here? Is this a lifestyle now? Because I don't, what do you had negative percent body fat at this point? No, no, no. There was a, there was a time, uh, uh, probably WrestleMania last year. Uh, I was probably at my absolute leanest. Uh, but to get down to 205 and stay there was at the start was, it was pretty, pretty difficult. Um, uh, but now I'm pretty, I was pretty accustomed to it before the, uh, towards the end of, uh, 205 but I, I, like a lot of people kind of think that it was all uh all a ruse so to speak that i was always 220 uh or 215 or whatever um in the cruiserweight division but you know like i said like 205 is a great product and we prided ourselves in that a lot all of us all the boys um and if we all had that standard then the product was going to be that much better so those weigh-ins were real um, and I was actually getting down to 205. And even when I was doing those weigh-ins to keep it in a real realistic manner, like the day before or the day of TV of 205, when I had to do a weigh-in, I would hit the sauna for like 30 minutes and just really, really like take all the water out of me so I looked all sunk in and looked dehydrated looking for these weigh-ins for the realism of like MMA. You know, these guys are dropping... 20, 30 pounds, they look sunk, and then that went into my whole character in 205 is that, yeah, I'm making the weight, but once I'm rehydrating, I'm not 205, if that makes sense. Just keep a realism to it. Love it. Um, but I have to, like, it, it, it wouldn't be fair to the other guys for me just to come in and not be 205. You know what I mean? So, uh, it was a pride thing, um, and I think that, like, me coming into 205 a little bit bigger, Man, I think I think that helped us all because all the boys, all right. Well, this guy's looking like this. Well, now I got to pick up my game. And I think that you know, you look at Lindsay Dorado, uh, Ali. Like you look at what they originally were. Even Cedric. Like they they they've all transformed their bodies. You know, because we we kept the standard and we wanted to be the most athletic looking uh, division. So um, you know, that, that was just the passion that two hundred five had. All right, before so, we get into uh, it, was a cool, cool little thing to, to do in 205, but my weight now is I'm feeling good. Um, I'm not as lean as what I was, but I'm at a bit heavier now, but I'm with bigger guys, so um, I'm not held back by this weight limit. 
All right, I want to talk King of the Ring and your transformation to the main roster in a second, but I want to close on this on 205. Look, you had a moment. We have a plethora of Australian listeners to this podcast, buddy. I don't know how it happened, but our DMs are filled with these Down Under brothers. So they popped massive, of course, when you win that championship in Australia. I think it was that Super Showdown card, full stadium full, all that great stuff. That's a special moment. It reminded me of... of British Bulldog in, in, in SummerSlam in Wembley against Bret Hart. What is that like to be in front of your home crowd and you have your biggest moment of your career? Yeah, so I get that, that question a lot, and I answer it the exact same way. It's, uh, it's kind of unbelievable, and it was my WrestleMania of WrestleMania moments. Uh, it doesn't get much bigger than that for me. Uh, you know, to, to, to be where I was in NXT and make a transition – to get myself in a position where I could go and we, we, you know, like I said, the two or five crew, we worked so hard. We were, we were given these opportunities on pay-per-views. Um, so to be given that opportunity on a, on a pay-per-view in my hometown, uh, with my friends and my family, my, my, my family had never seen me wrestle before. And the first match they saw me was win the cruiserweight championship in front of 80,000 people chanting my name, you know, like my, family weren't really supportive of this whole wrestling uh this whole wrestling career or trying to be a wrestler or get to wwe because it was we were so far away being in australia and it wasn't really heard of you know to like how do you get into something that's on the other side of the world and it's only letting so many people in you know what i mean it's not like a big open door it's you know like but you know all the stars aligned, all the planets aligned, and, you know, I've dotted my I's and crossed my T's and, you know, worked very, very hard, man. It was very determined. So it all kind of came full circle. And uh, it's the moment that uh, I'll probably never forget. And there's a there's a photo, and I have it in my house, of me uh, getting my hand raised for the title and everyone in the background standing, man. And it was, uh, it's just crazy. It was just like, it gives me, I've got goosebumps right now even kind of thinking about it. Um, my WrestleMania of WrestleMania moments. Yeah, no question about it. And they are some passionate fans down there. We, we definitely love them on this show. Big moment all around. All right, you get the call up. There's announcements that you're going to be on SmackDown. We're popping big here. But then we don't see you, buddy, for a long time. We start to worry they ruined you. They don't know the flavor of the sauce. What was going on here, buddy Murphy? You, you went dark for a while. Yeah, for a little while, it was a little, a uh, little bit for, as a strategic plan for myself uh, at the start because I wanted to get a little bit bigger. I wanted to put a little bit more size, obviously, because I was uh, going to start mixing it up with bigger, bigger guys. Um, but uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a hybrid athlete in my eyes. I like to be uh, good in every department. So uh, I took when I was two thirty, uh, my strength and and whatnot, and then uh, I kind of mixed it up with my agility and athleticism of being 205. So now I'm a nice in the middle at about 215. So I've kept everything, all my strengths from uh, when I was heavy and when I was a bit lighter. And now I'm mixing it up with the big boys on uh, SmackDown. So it was a little bit longer than what I wanted because I wanted to gain that size. Um, but uh, it was a little bit longer than I expected. But uh, we're here now. So uh, the whole world uh, will know my name and uh, the secret's out. Uh, we got we got a little tasty at that little Shane McMahon town hall when you started calling people out. That fired us up. But look, 
your moment was the Roman Reigns match, and it's one of the better TV matches that we've seen in WWE this decade, to be really honest. And there's such a deeper thing that went on there, a transaction, buddy, that took place with, although you took the loss, Roman working so hard to put you over, seeming like for anyone that's a big Buddy Murphy fan, that was their buy-in moment. Yes, the company knows what they have. This is something that's happening here. I mean, take us through that. Take us through working with with Roman and being given that opportunity there. Obviously, you both stepped up to the plate and hit a home run, but did you know it was going to have that type of impact? Uh, just being in there with Roman, man, uh, is crazy. Um, he's the Hulk Hogan of today. He's the John Cena of today. He's the Austin Rock of today. Um, so to, to, you know, to just stand in the ring with him, man, like when his music went off, it kind of gave me goosebumps. He, like I was looking around, and I, you know, got got a little bit nervous, but then I just thought, man, I belong here. You know, this has all happened for a reason. So, um, but yeah, for him to 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 want to step into the ring with me um, is awesome, man. It's a it's a it's an honor. Um, and man, like you know, it, it, it felt it felt like magic happening. But I, I, I you know, I don't want to sound like a like I have an ego or anything like that. Um, but have the ego, like, buddy. Have you know, the I, ego. I know Please. that I'm capable of it, and I know it, and I know I can do that every single night. And uh, you know, and and I just hope that the the people uh, can see the passion that I have and get behind me when it comes to that. Because uh, you know, I go out there, and uh, whether it's uh, one minute, fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, I'm going out there to steal the show, man. So have you figured out? They can get behind me. Look, you, you can wrestle off the charts. Have you figured out who the this character of Buddy Murphy is? This heel, this, this guy? I don't know if we fully received that yet. And I'm me. I'm me. And if uh, and I got and I got a chip on my shoulder. I have one big chip on my shoulder, and it's to prove the world. You know, and it's not just to prove to the world; it's to prove to the people in NXT. You know, it's, it's to prove to the people in the back that that when I wasn't being used. You know, what you were sitting on is to prove to the world that, you know, everyone, uh, they, they call it the Buddy Murphy train. Everyone's jumping on the Buddy Murphy train now um, because in uh, NXT, it was uh, this this guy still works there. This guy still, he still has a job. I thought he was released. Um, they didn't know which one was Blake and which one was Murphy. And that irritated me, man. So I created this chip on my shoulder um, that, uh, you know, it's it, it's a big chip. And I'm out to prove to everyone that uh, that I'm here, that I'm real. I'm here to stay, man. And uh, the character of Buddy Murphy is me, and it's a, with a huge chip on my shoulder. And I think over the next uh, couple of weeks, the next couple of months, you're going to see uh, what I'm truly about. Well, you obviously got to follow up that great match against Roman Reigns with Daniel Bryan on Tuesday night. You won that. Bryan put you over. What was that moment like? We really saw the WWE fans get behind you, especially towards the end and after that match. And is Brian someone who you feel maybe has advocated for you? I know uh, there's a story that went around that he did the same for uh, Mustafa Ali. Do you feel like he has been someone that's kind of had your back through this process? Or is there anyone else backstage that really has, you know, had your back as you made this transition to the main roster? Uh, I think Brian has a chip on his shoulder too. I think that uh, instead of, his uh, the same chip as mine to prove prove everyone wrong. His chip, you know, is like he's got a second chance and he's gonna he wants to do right for the for the wrestling business, um, you know. And, and when he you know he works with guys like 
heavy machinery, Ali, like Kofi and all that, man. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the best in the world, you know? Um, and he's been saying that for a long time back when he was doing the independence. Um, but he truly is. And he loves wrestling. And, uh, you know, you can see by the way that he does it, but, uh, he's very good at what he does. Um, and man, like for him to, to, to do what he did for me, uh, and do what he'd done for others. And just to, tells you what kind of person he is in real life. And he's a, he's a great dude. And, uh, Man, I can't thank him enough. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you real quick about your style. I mentioned sort of when we saw you burst onto the scene as a cruiserweight, we got Omega feels. You've certainly been through the NXT system and had the benefit of working the 205 style, but I feel like there's some Japan in there. Adam and I were talking. We almost feel like Kota Ibushi Omega feels. Do you Are you influenced by anybody? How did you come together to make this current in-ring style? Um, to be honest with you, man, I don't watch any wrestling at all um, because I kind of have to, like when I'm at home, I, I leave, leave it at home. Um, but I wrestled uh, Coda back in NXT. Um, you know, we, we had a, a it was kind of a little bit of a uh, shining moment for me in NXT. One of my only shining moments in NXT um, as a singles. But uh, yeah, Coda, Coda is awesome, man. But I just kind of, I, I watch MMA a lot and um if you saw the George Masvidal versus Ben Askren, uh, you know, it was that running knee that fo- that set everything up. You know what I mean? Like, it was just out of nowhere. So I've been implementing a lot of that in my style. Um, like, you know, that running knee strike off the thing. I might as well catch them. Might as well strike first. You know what I mean? Uh, and, it, and it catches the crowd's interest very quickly. Um, but I use a lot of MMA kind of stuff to uh, influence me. But I, I want it to be different. I want to... I want to be more combination-like. I want to be... Uh, uh, it was kind of more from the 205 style because people aren't invested in us as much as they are uh, they, when they have Randy Orton and stuff like that. Going back to the 205 days, we don't have that uh, that broadcast or that exposure as everyone else does. So we need to catch them with the stuff we have them in the ring. We have to make them believe that that could... Why, why, why wasn't that like, why couldn't that finish him? Like, you know, and it can build up our own brands because we need to build ourselves up. We have to build someone to beat someone, so to speak. And we all have that mentality. We all build ourselves up. And we all build who we're working up with. Um, but I've kind of, that's, that's kind of how the style started with, with the combinations and whatnot, like kind of piggybacking everything. Um, but yeah, like Coda, Coda's awesome, man. Um, like I've seen like a little bit of their stuff, but I don't go out and, purposely watch their stuff or anything like that just because i like to leave uh work at work and and, and keep uh home home so uh, indeed uh, hopefully that answers your question no so it does this is really really cool insight we appreciate you, you you giving so much effort to each question all right we got to talk king in the ring you got a match coming up with ali i mean i don't know maybe go out there and f around and and get a nine-star match i mean there's so much potential in this tournament with the great workers please give us your thoughts on having your name in this tournament this match with Ali and, and, and what WWE bringing this tournament back could potentially mean to your character or whoever ends up winning this. Yeah, man, the King of the Rings is always one of those things that uh, I used to watch when I grew up. It's kind of like the launching pad uh, for a lot of lot of guys. Um, like, you know, it's where Austin started and then like, Brock kind of started through there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to have it back. And uh, if you look at some of the guys, like you said, man, like there's some, 
some killer athletes in there. You've got Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, um, you know, Andrade, um, you know, and we get them in, you know, Cedric's on the raw side, we've got Ricochet on the raw side, and it just creates a lot of cool little interesting matchups, um, depending on who goes through. But going to me and Ali, I mean, Ali, we've, we, we've, you know, we, we've crossed paths before, so um, it will be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, and uh, I'm sure that it will be uh, another one to remember uh, come this coming Tuesday. No question about it. Uh, now that you've made this big leap, you're the best kept secret. Well, the, the secret is out. So, you know, what's your timeline? What kind of goals do you have when you when you start to realize your dreams? I'm sure, like you said, that ceiling get, uh, goes up a bit. You, you can blast right through that glass. Are, are, what are you looking at when you look at your career in the next year or two? Um, so I have this little thing where I started uh, at, at my house. Um, and, like, Alexa Bliss started it, too. Well, I kind of started it for it. Uh, like, once we win a championship, we buy the replica. Okay? So I have uh, the NXT tag team title. And I have the Cruiserweight title. So, uh, and you know, I buy all her, her titles. <laughs> so she's got a lot of them. So, uh, but the idea is I, I want to be, man, I'm, I'm there to collect. I want to collect titles. I want to, uh, you know, eventually one day have every single title possibly there. And, uh, you know, if, if I can have a title in NXT, have the Cruiserweight title, and then start collecting uh, the Raw and SmackDown titles, man. But uh, that would be, be awesome to eventually show my kids one day. Um but man, like I think that next title that I'm kind of looking at might be that IC title. It'd be cool to have uh, have under my TV. So, uh, and I think that if Shinsuke Nakamura uh, has it when that time is right, then man, I'm sure that we'll make some magic too. Yeah, you may have to go out there and buy a crown too. This King of the Ring thing is heating up. Um, you know, it's a long way since Blake and Murphy. And no disrespect to Wesley Blake, he's still grinding. But uh, you may have genetted him. We may have to bring him back and set up a window for you to kick him through. That's just the truth, Buddy Murphy. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's killing it in NXT. He's doing the Forgotten Son thing. Um, and he's got a huge chip on his shoulder, too. So uh, it would be cool to see, uh, hopefully, one day, that he, you know, we uh, we bump shoulders again. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe rekindle what we uh, used to have. Maybe uh, BAMF might come back and get Alexa on our side. <laughs> you know, buddy, I'm actually a massive King of the Ring fan. I think WWE bringing it back is one of the best things they've done in quite a while. So as someone who grew up watching, you know, wrestling and grew up with King of the Ring, do you have a moment, a winner, uh, anything in the King of the Ring long history that really stands out to you that maybe gets you a little extra juice to be involved in this tournament? Yeah, I think like when you look, you look back and you look at those moments, like you know, like Austin. That's where he dropped the Austin three sixteen. Um, and then like probably the moment that I remember the most from the King of Ring was you know Kurt Angle putting uh, Shame at Man through the uh, through the glass. I think <laughs> that was probably uh, one of my greatest uh, King of the Ring moments that I remember. But uh, you know, the Austin three sixteen, you can't go past that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Buddy Murphy, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We can't wait to keep checking you out in this King of the Ring tournament airing on Raw and SmackDown every Monday and Tuesday. Can't wait to see where this ends up. But more importantly, can't wait to see you on the brightest of bright lights one day, main event WrestleMania. It's going to happen, brother. It's Look, you got the right attitude. You got the right pecs for the job. It's going to happen. I appreciate that, and uh, I believe you. It will happen.
Shout out to all of our Aussie fans. It's a big moment for this pod. Buddy, thanks for the time. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Wow. Fired up. Fired the hell up. You want to know why, SK? You want to know why? Not just because it was a great interview, but because Bud Murphy bucked the system. They told him in NXT who he's supposed to be. And he said, no, your vision for my future doesn't align with who I know I can be. I'm paraphrasing. I'm adding a little BC into there. But the BM was on to something, Adam. Don't let the world get in the way of where you're going. Buddy Murphy didn't. He was willing to die on his own sword on some random Florida house shows against Aleister Black to show what he had. He was willing to cut 25 pounds to legitimately make 205 to show you what he had. Now he's on the main roster going over Daniel Bryan, doing instant classics with Roman Reigns. It's all because he knew who he was. He's not playing a character. He's playing himself. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's damn glad to be here. It's really interesting because we're seeing this success with Buddy Murphy and the way he explained to us that this has been such a successful run for him. We see what's happening with Daniel Bryan. We see what's happening with Sasha Banks and her return. And it kind of makes me wonder, was Dean Ambrose just not convincing? Like, what was the difference with Dean Ambrose pushing Vince, supposedly, according to his own interviews, extremely hard every week, hating what he did, but willing to do it because he's a good soldier, and these three, who all recently have seemingly said the same thing. They were really unhappy with the way things were going with their character and are now doing things that we love and have succeeded in being the type of wrestlers and sports entertainers, if you want to use that term, that they wanted to be. And Buddy really more than the others. But it just says to me, maybe he went about things the wrong way and maybe, or maybe Buddy Murphy is just so much more determined no. and, was in su- and was in such a worse spot. I'll tell you the answer he to this. He else to go. Buddy no. did it grassroots. He talked to He did it through Adam Pierce. He did it through the lower right. level guys, NXT 205 Live, to get to where he is today. Vince knew Dean, had a yeah. vision for Dean that had a ceiling, and essentially said, you'll be the Ringo star of the Shield forever, and when you're not with them, you'll do comedic bits because you're not a body guy, you're not... And who you think you are, I don't want. Whereas Buddy Murphy, I'm not sure Vince ever saw him until he showed up with super pecs, banging bliss, ready for action, looking like Omega, who I'm sure Vince doesn't even know who that is. And Vince, how is Vince going to turn that guy down? I mean, seriously. Yeah, with, D- with, with Dino, Vince is just more hands-on with things he really takes to heart. And of course, like the Shield, like all three of those guys, Vince you know, he ties himself where I think, you know, you get a little more leniency, especially with the, the large production team that Vince has around him. We're a guy like Buddy Murphy. If they say, hey, Vince, we're going to let him wrestle Roman tonight. Vince maybe doesn't register in his brain that they're going to put on a five-star classic that's going to blow our minds. So he's just like, all right, I do it. But with someone like Dean and Seth and Roman, like, you know, he has to be, if, to his to his detriment, has to be hands-on with every little thing. So I think that's where the difference comes in. Brian, as an MMA connoisseur, and a fan of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, as am, as I am, not the MMA part, but the Kenny and Kota part, what did you think of his answer to my question? Of A lot of people believe that a significant portion of Buddy Murphy's repertoire comes from o- Omega, the V-Trigger, um, even Murphy's Law. It's not the one-winged angel, but it's 
a similar type of shoulder aerial man- maneuver. Um, and then the Bomaye, you know, the knee strikes from uh, Kota Ibushi. Did you buy in no. that it was very MMA-esque, or do you think he got more influence <laughs> no, from no, those no. guys? I do appreciate, and I'm sure he's a great MMA fan, I do appreciate his commitment to actually cutting and draining himself for the 205 weigh-in like an MMA fighter, but no, his moveset... Was lit was a hundred percent. It was trips or somebody smart in NXT going. Hey, you guys saw you guys saw Omega Okada, right? You guys are watching what Abushi did over you, there, right? You guys never saw Buddy wrestle in Australia, did you? We never did. No, he didn't steal anything. Trust me. He's doing oh, no, it's that. not about stealing. It's he, not about, he, stealing. It's about, no, it's about being influenced. It's about being influenced. Nope. Ah, oh, that's it. That's He's enlightening. I'll give Bud more credit on that. He picked Buddy the wrong Mur- reference, though. He picked the wrong reference of the uh, of the Jorge Masvidal five second running knee knockout at UFC 239 when that was just happened. That's sort of what creates I, the uh, Buddy Murphy came into WWE at the wrong time because I remember when they were scouting him and there was a buzz about this guy in Australia that you got to see that he's just phenomenal in the ring and blow your mind. So he gets brought in, but this wasn't at a time where they were. J- the PC was just trying to find its bearings. Yeah, he got so signed in stuck. 2013, by the way. He yeah, got so they I stuck mean... him in the tag team with Blake. And, it, like, had he signed even, like, say, two years later, things would have been different for Buddy. It, it would have been completely different. But they were just trying things, dabbling in things. They threw him in the tag team with Blake. And, it, yeah, it took him an extra amount of time for everybody to see, whoa, look at what this guy is. But he was one of the first, especially from an international perspective, he was one of the first big deal set, like, whoa, WWE is going to give this guy a chance. And then it just got a little jumbled in NXT at first. But now, and thankfully, we're getting to see what this dude's all about. So and, Brian, and that backs mentioned- up his words. So I will give him that, Jack. If you've seen him wrestle before that, it does back up his words that he was always this guy. He was this guy in Australia. Now he's being who he's supposed to be. Now, Brian, you mentioned the weight cutting. And you and I on this show, especially when Buddy first joined 205, Went back and I was like, there's no way this guy's 205. He's 225. You know, it's it's not, like you can lose weight. Maybe he's 215, but that is not a body of a 205 pounder, right? A lot. There were people who tweeted us after reading your story on Buddy, which we posted Monday. And thank you for WWE to sh- for sharing it. Um, that basically said he gave us, he kayfabed us, that he gave us a kayfabe answer um, in terms of cutting the weight, actually being 205, the weigh-ins being real. I got to be honest. I'm of a double mind. On one hand, I always believe what they say is kayfabe, right? Because, like, I see with my eyes what the way that man looked. But I also saw the way he looked Tuesday night on SmackDown. And I kind of compared it. I don't know that it was 20 pounds difference, but it was significantly different. So whether the weigh-ins were real or not, I don't know if I can believe that part. But what I do believe is that he significantly cut his weight. And if he wasn't 205, he was damn close. I mean, just a, just a funny story. Like, like I've told you guys before, the list was like, my wife watches, right? Thankfully, she's a wrestling fan, so she watches with me. When he had the match with Roman, there was just a moment that had me dying in tears laughing. I think I told Brian about this at the time, where we were sitting there watching the show, and they went face-to-face in the middle of the ring, and she was eating something, and she dropped her plate, and she looked at me, and she goes, hey. I looked over at her, and I said, what? And she said, can we please stop pretending now that this man is 205 pounds? <laughs> he's certainly and, not and I said, But he's certainly not now. No, and I, I like his answer on, on why well, he hasn't she... been on SmackDown. He's been in the weight room, and I respect that. And look, just the idea that he would do any kind of sacrifice to make those weigh-ins feel more real, whether he got even close to 205 or not, and his 
giving himself the credit for changing the culture in 205, specifically by getting in just absurd shape. And guys, I, I mean, I wasn't marking out to him. You remember this podcast. When he showed up on 205, our jaws freaking dropped because that's a guy who went for it body-wise. Like, that guy was going for it. And if that inspired the other guys, then 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 this was a guy who's destined to be where he is. This is a guy who did things the right way. And by the way, shout out to Mrs. Krause right there for being on the right side of history on wrestling and on Buddy Murphy right there. I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, man, I'm so happy for him. I'm so damn happy after hearing his mindset and his journey to get here. And it's not that it's new. This idea of going after the brass ring and Vince and Stone Cold saying not enough guys do. And you hear the guys who have like Dean Ambrose, but they get stifled. But I am all for people who buck the system and say, I might not fit a specific role that the providers have in mind. But sometimes they just got to make a role for you. You know what I'm saying? And that guy's a perfect example of it. He belongs. He needs to main event. A damn WrestleMania. And to some people, that's crazy. That's stupid. This ain't Roman, right? This ain't Seth. This ain't Lesnar. He can be, though. He can be right there with those guys. And I don't say that just because he's a sex magnet or because he's just fantastic. He's got it, bros. He's got it. And he may still have Alexa Bliss, Adam. I know you and I both kind of... We're yeah. sensitive on the trigger to ask that. We thought they were broken up around WrestleMania when I interviewed Alexa and it got real awkward when I brought up power couples, but it feels like from what he's saying that that's still happening. It definitely made me question whether they're split up and I don't know what's true or not at this point. Let me ask you a question. I, I know you're talking about buddy WrestleMania main events. Okay. I would love for that to happen. Also, we all would. Okay. Who is the last male wrestler with an accent? In WWE, who main evented a WrestleMania? Because I can't, I honestly can't think of one. That's an interesting. I think you have Becky, you have Becky this past year, which is why I said male. All right. But, that's an interesting trivia question. Um, That's a great point. Has it ever happened? When is an American or a non American or Canadian main evented a WrestleMania? WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2, King Kong Bundy, WrestleMania. Andre. It was Volkoff and yeah, Andre. It was Andre. Okay, so 30 years. Three. Certainly a special circumstance. Um, no, I mean, Yokozuna never did. I guess there really wasn't anybody. Yokozuna did, WrestleMania 9. Well, well, yeah, I guess you're but right. He didn't speak. No, you're he 100% didn't speak, right. He was, was small. <laughs> you're right. I just blew that. He main evented against Brett, and then he main evented in the bo- in the bonus match against Hogan right after. So, yeah, then that yeah. was straight up. Yokozuna. Yeah. Yokozuna. And he, wait, and Yokozuna, but Yokozuna is Samoan. True true so he does speak english and and you know i'm not saying i'm not saying obviously that buddy doesn't speak english i'm just saying like yokozuna like speaks english the way roman speaks english let's say um not the way sheamus does or cesaro with an accent you know what i mean a heavy accent so my point is i don't think vince really gives foreign guys no matter their nationality British, Australian, Japanese, whatever, that kind of mega push. So you can say you want Buddy and the Mur- Murphy in the main event of WrestleMania, and I'm DC, I am there with you. But to expect that to happen, I don't know that we're going to get there. Not well, even. I, a... just, I just went through every WrestleMania from 1 to 35 in my head. I know you guys have probably been watching me like I'm doing the, with my hand. I went through every single one in my head because it's a weird quirk of mine. I could rattle them off like that. It, it, and the cities, too. No, that... Wow. 
Yeah, it's just there Andre you. and Yokozuna. That is so. That's an interesting counterpoint. But again, Yoko's not even Yoko was fake. Yeah, but but yeah. but in the end though, when you when your body is a wonderland. Vince don't care. Also, right? I don't think Vince you just should... put gender on top, all right? Because his body turned into that as well, all right? When you're in a the... body guy and it's English that he's speaking, go ahead, brother. Go for it. Go hey, for gender's it. Canadian. <laughs> That's true. Oh, that like, that I'm a... just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, but look, Canadian and Australian, for our purposes, what's the difference, right? What's the. Yeah, I, yeah, I know Australian listeners are out there popping against that, but what's the difference, okay? Uh, no difference to me. Apparently, a difference to Vince. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, even not like there's been a there, wealth. He, Adam, there Shane... hasn't been a wealth of Aussie stars throughout history. We're like Outback Jack and. Uh, I mean, seriously, seriously. Even when Sheamus was in a title match at Mania, what he beat Daniel Bryan six seconds. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't the main event. It was yeah, like but Sheamus is Irish. That's in Vince's yeah, house. It, so yeah, that was that was the opener. Yeah, it was the opening. All right, match, we got to so. get into all things all out and to kick off this discussion, the great. Brandy Rhodes has a question for you, Adam. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the leaders of, of, of hitting the drum for this revolution. I'm all in. For this. Adam, are you all in or all out for all out? Because I'm all the damn in right now. Yeah. I'm all in for all out. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great show. I think there's plenty for us to talk about, BC and Jack. But while I'm all in, I know Jack's all in. BC's all in. You know who's not? John Moxley's not. Because John Moxley is all out of all out after contracting, I guess is the best word to use, MRSA in his elbow. He's getting the sack. Is that uh, MRSA? First of all, you're talking about the man's sack. Is that MRSA? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Yes. What is yeah. that? I've, I I don't know. I'm ignorant to that. What it's is an that? infection. It's an infection it's, uh, yeah. often gained from uh, from <laughs> dirty gyms and, and, you know, stuff like yeah. that. If there's any NFL fans out there, it was the same thing that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were plagued with. Adam, how many years yeah. ago was that? A couple. The, the, a couple. Not, not very long. It was Cristiano was still the coach because that was part of his debacle. Yeah, it was the same thing the Tampa the lock, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers locker room was plagued with. But I, the thing is, it's more serious than people. Like, I see some people saying, well, we'll, we'll just do the Moxley Omega match on TNT. I think people need to understand how serious this is. Plus... Yeah. This is something that he dealt with uh, within the past eighteen months that he admitted almost killed him. Well, wow. this kept him out when he was when he was recovering from his injury with WWE. Yes, contracted this, which is basically it's a stronger staph infection, and you 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 generally take antibiotics to combat it. But this kept him out of WWE even longer. And if you watched that special on the network, it was Chronicle or one of those. He discussed like, "Hey, I was ready to come back, and then this hit me. So this has happened a second time." And there's a bursa sack in your elbow. If you ever had a tennis elbow, it's what you hurt when when you when you feel that. Uh, they can rem- he's had apparently this twice in the elbow. So they're going to remove the bursa sack. That's with a C, no K, um, to take it out and and hopefully ensure that this doesn't happen again. All right, enough teasing the sack here. When this news came out, Adam, if you're a hater of AEW, if you're cheering against them, it was an obvious sort of LOL moment, right? It was like. Oh, wow. You build to this point. I mean, look, a me, a, a large percentage of why Double or Nothing back in May works so well to announce that this is a legitimate competing potential organization, a WWE rival. And look, I know what, what happened after that Fighter Fest fight for the fall and felt a lot more AAA than it did Major Leagues. But when John Moxley came out 
and had that pop and started a feud with Omega of all people. You didn't need the title at stake. That's your main event. That's to build around a whole company. This was massive. My knee-jerk reaction, Adam, was that they're going to have to come up with somebody quick. And unless it's a CM Punk level, unless it's let's make a panic phone call to Japan and just sell our souls to get either Okada or Ibushi or maybe Naito, then you don't have anything that can fill that hole. You really don't. Aging wrestlers out there, they've all been tapped into, right? Like, there's no, there's really no duplicate of Jericho. Like, Jericho has the stardom. Problem is, he's already in the title match, and he already feuded with Omega. There's no real duplicate of Jericho to, to, to cover this up. Really, CM Punk would be the only one. And then they stepped up to the plate and struck us out looking with the curveball of Pac, a.k.a. Neville. I forgot about him with the whole weird thing of him falling out of double or nothing. I forgot he existed, Adam. And here's what I'm telling you right now. A, I love this. B, this is going to be a better match. Now, it doesn't have the star power. It doesn't have the story. That's the, the, the hiccup here. There's no story between Pac and Omega. It's missing a lot. But in terms of a one-night show, could you ask for a better worker? To go in there and fit the puzzle piece with Omega where we haven't seen it before. I don't know if they've ever wrestled in some dark territory. I've never seen it. And I've got massive potential star-wise. And we know AEW is a territory where they will let you go after that. That this could not only fix this with a Band-Aid, but give you something else coming out of this show to be fired up about. And that's the potential of maybe even Pac going over and maybe even getting pushed as a superstar, as a face-on-the-poster-type superstar. I look at this as a great save. You're not bringing in the WWE fans with this like you would have with Ambrose. But this can still be your third most important match now rather than dipping down deep into there. And I think it holds up. I'm fired up, Adam. Put the fi- Pour the water on my fire. Do something here. What do you got? No, no. There's no, there's no, there's no putting this out because I think everything you said is sober and accurate. Um, I do think when it first came down that he was going to miss this, I didn't, I didn't laugh because it, it's serious. You know, it's a medical thing for someone in Ambrose and Moxley. But at the same time, it was here we go again because let's not forget you're mentioning Pac here. The reason why this is so interesting with Pac is because their first big event they had someone pull out of a major match due to creative differences. Uh, it, he had the Dragon Gate title at the time, and he didn't want to lose while he was champion, and I guess they planned for him to lose, right? So it's almost like, listen, they've had two major events that people actually care about. In both of them, in one of their top two matches, they've had basically, not the challenger, but the number two guy in each of those matches pull out. And in this one, it really was the number one guy. If, in, in talk, if you're talking about like United States fan knowledge, right? People really want to see John Moxley, Kenny Omega, because that's the match that they built. It was a great save. It was the only save they could have made. And I say only because, as you kind of mentioned, it speaks to their roster and the lack of legitimate depth they had. Now, if they didn't have this tag team match booked with Pentagon and Phoenix, then either of those guys could have faced Omega and it would have been great. But right now you have two of your best guys, even your best singles performers in the Lucha Brothers, in this tag team match. You have everyone else already booked, and I think the only person of any value in AEW that doesn't have a match set for this card is MJF. 
So you have to go get someone. And Pac really was the easy decision. I'm guessing they probably already had him scheduled to interfere at another point. Not interfere, but cause chaos at another point in the show. Or maybe they scheduled him for the AEW on TNT debut. I'm sure they had something else scheduled with Pac. Point being, I don't know that they had any other choice. And this really does speak to the lacking depth of this roster where you lose one person close to a show and you have no way to repeat. Like, think about WWE ahead of that Survivor Series where, or whatever pay-per-view that was, where they lost so many guys. They had Roman Reigns out and, and X and Y and Z. And they just said, eh, okay, we'll give you AJ Styles, Finn Balor. And it, like, tore the freaking house down. So I think that is an issue for AEW. If you believe that what Cody said, that they've only hired 40% of their roster, they've only introduced 40% of their roster, I don't personally believe that, but this goes to speak to it. Ultimately, I think it's going to be a great match. Just don't lie to the people, though. You did drop an LOL. That was your initial reaction when this happened. It was, yes, but it was. Don't lie to the people. How was, dare no, you? No, 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 stop. stop. How dare it was you LOL, I can't listeners. believe this. Okay. Like, uh, it was like, LOL, but just don't, just don't ever, ever lie to these people, Adam. How dare you? Ever do. I, wow. What, like AEW lies to me sometimes? Stop Ooh, it, did I Jack. say that? Did I say that Jack, out loud? I'm not letting you get that over, but here's the all deal, right. all right? Jack, if you didn't, I mean, I know there's people out there who only know Neville as the superhero yeah. doing the flip off the top rope. Good God, go on the network and watch him in NXT. This guy's a damn main eventer, all right? Who cares if he's four foot eight? That guy can wrestle, and he's gritty, and he's a bastard, and I can't wait for this match. All right, Adam, take us through this card. Let's do this. Let's do this. What will finish? What will end this card? It better be the AEW Heavyweight Championship match, Adam. I see no way it's not. Chris Jericho against Adam Hangman Page to crown the first ever AEW champion. Um, Look, if you watched Being the Elite, the way they kind of proposed this, not just Being the Elite, they did some like stupid extra show about ordering room service with wrestlers where they had Page talking to the Young Bucks. And they said, oh, what everyone expects is for Jericho to win the title because he has to go, we have to go into TNT with a big name champion. Like that's like a a negative that people expect that. I expect that. And if they don't do it, it's a mistake because Adam Hangman Page, BC, Jack, I've said it once, I've said it many times, he is going to be a major star. As of today, August 28th, 2019, when we are taping this podcast, he is not a major star and they have not built him up to be a major star. And if you have to crown your first champion, you put that title on Chris freaking Guess when he becomes a big star, Adam? Saturday night, because here's the deal. AEW has said from day one-ish, we're not going to be WCW. We're not going to fall to those sins. That's why they don't have 85 people on their roster, by the way, that you think their roster is thin. Their roster's fine, by the way. Bullet Club is fine, Adam. But here's the, 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 the real deal here. If you put Jericho as champion and just try to use his WWE name with the title, to launch TNT, you are being WCW. You're taking a washed WWE created star and and you're essentially doing the same thing. I'll give them credit, even sometimes to levels I don't want. They are going for the future in AEW. They're pumping up a lot of people who people don't even know about until AEW launched. Adam Page has to be your first man to go all in on and to do it on this show all out ahead of the TV launch. I don't want to see Jericho win and then have Page win the title back on episode two of TNT. I think it's got to be right now. This guy is the future of your company. Put it on him. And this match better go to the end. I know Cody and Spears are all over the poster, and they've been the big push for this, the grudge match. But that's got to be the mid-card main event. 
The title's got to go on the end. Paige has to win. Jacko, does it matter between Adam and I arguing which direction they go? Does it actually matter, though? I don't think it matters, but I'll be the tiebreaker here. And as much as this pains me to say this, I got to go with uh, drunk dad Jericho to get that title. Simply because I I know they address the elephant in the video. You're going to a platform like TNT. You you just you have to have the big name. But again, agree agree with both you guys. Hangman Page from the from the moment this company was birthed into life. We knew he is the the top star. He is the guy they're going to make their top star that he couldn't be in WWE after they're going to show that but how you how you make him the top star is your television so he's got to be the guinea pig of putting him on TNT after this loss to Jericho be it clean or not but we need to see him progress on weekly television to become the top star so unfortunately your only option at this point is to put the title on the big name Jericho but and then just don't screw it up and then have Paige go over Jericho at the next pay-per-view essentially that's maybe what we're, the, we're maybe next through. pay-per-view I mean however it shakes out because again with this with everything with this place people have to remember we don't know a ton until they start TV on October 2nd right. Either way, I like this match you, know, you don't need Paige to go over Jericho you don't need Paige to be the next champion. You're building this guy up long term. You can just as easily have Kenny Omega go into this yeah. feud, eventually beat Jericho in a few months at their next major, because it looks like they're only doing a major pay-per-view every, every quarter. I don't know if what these other little events, the the fighter for the Fallen Fest stuff, I don't know what those are going to be, right? So I, if it's me, I'm building up, rebuilding up the Kenny Omega-Chris Jericho rivalry. Really, it still shocks me that Kenny Omega is not going to be the first AEW champion. I kind of get it, but... He is the star. Like they're, they, hey man, they're building. Omega is the star, and he is like a. He's being treated kind of third rate with this company right now, and I, I'm sure there's a reason for it. It shocks me the way that they are booking him right now. But again, I'm sure they have a plan. Well, I so mean, they did line him up with Dean why. Ambrose, so that ain't bad. That would have been interesting to see where that went. But this better go last. And I love Jericho's uh, promo this week on. Uh, I don't know if it was Road Two or being the Elite. But him sitting in that office and just punching himself in the face. Dude, that's Ric Flair 1986 showing up at the Superstation and making himself bleed. I know uh, Jericho didn't bleed in this spot, but that gave me those old school feels. Love that promo. Really excited for this match. And that belt's sexy. I don't like seeing the Jacksons wear it haphazardly, show up at that TNT public event and put it on backwards and walk around with it. Can we protect the that title? This ain't Naito dragging it around on the floor. Can we protect that title and not have people that shouldn't be wearing it, wearing it in public, please? Yeah. Please put it behind well, it, glass, all right? It's funny when they have Tony Khan wearing it with, like, <laughs> pants that are, like, untailored that are, like, 18 sizes too long for him, and, and it makes him look even smaller than he is because the belt is so massive. But you're right, like, Nick Nick Jackson wearing it backwards no, like, that's, that's not acceptable. And just walking around with it at t- in Ted Turner's house? What are you doing? All right, I got to play this. Yeah, what is this title? I got this gorgeous. I got to play this promo from Kenny Omega that really yeah. brought being the elite back into my life. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's about four minutes, but just get a taste of this if you haven't seen it. They set it up as him cutting a promo on Moxley, finding out right then and there that Moxley's out of the match and then instantly just coming back with the kind of... St- tone you don't always hear omega bring boy i'm being really insensitive because this is this is a real serious injury it could have happened to anybody right you are careless i blame you and if people want to look at me like i'm the bad guy jeez, they're just as bad as you are john 
He left a lot of pieces, a lot of broken dreams, and a lot of disappointed fans laid upon my feet, and they're begging for something now. Huh? What kind of wrestler does that? Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat up the best wrestler in the world. Check. I, I, I want to go to Japan now. Check. Can I do some indies? Check. Can I do a hardcore match? Check. <laughs> See, John, I, I would love to wish you a speedy recovery. That's what I'm supposed to say. But at this point, I could really give a shit if you ever come back. Boom. This is the best executed thing they have done. And better even than Moxley's, you know, entrance into Double or Nothing. This is the best executed thing that AEW has done since the inception of the entire company. The fact that it's real, or that at least seems to be super real, but I believe it was, where where Omega is sitting in a studio in the middle of taping a promo against Moxley when a PA or someone gets a text, informs him he's hurt, he texts Cody, Cody confirms it, and then all of a sudden he tells him, leave the the, the best part you cut off because it would have been too long. He's like, no, 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 Steve, or whatever the guy's name. Leave Leave the cameras rolling, drop the lights. And goes and cuts a promo that will contend in December for promo of the year here on State of Combat. I don't know that it'll win. Daniel Bryan's cut some great ones. That is one of the top five promos I've heard this year. It's the best promo I've ever heard from Kenny Omega, and it's the best thing AEW's done yeah. to date. Guys, I, this usually happens to me once a show. You know this. I just had an epiphany. We just answered. Did our, what, our question was just answered right there. How do you make Paige the star? It's very easy. That was a great heel promo by Kenny Omega. Whether people want to categorize it as heel or not, that was a great heel promo. Okay? Kenny Omega still has unfinished business with who? Chris Jericho, who beat him clean. Okay, you put that title on Jericho, you put the title on Omega, who Omega takes from Jericho. Omega, shortly after, turns into this heel character, but the same one we just saw here. Yes. And then Paige eventually takes the title from this arrogant Kenny Omega. By the way, who I basically don't... is telling Paige, like, you tagged along with us, you're the little lackey boy, you're not on my level. Now there, how about that for a story? To make pages. Can you make a can deliver promos? And I'm sick of anyone ever saying that. I know he doesn't always deliver the gold. I know that that drizzling shit he put out there at Fight for the Fallen of the. I'm not going to say uh, uh, bang, bang, and good night, but I will, but I won't, but I will, but I am, but I'll bid you. Uh, do, no, you can, you can sit on your face with that, okay? But this is the gold. This is everything I want out of KO, not Kevin Owens, Kenny Omega. None of you are on my level when you are doing that kind of real stuff and you are basically like which a part of it was cut off hey moxley you thought it was smart to go wrestle 26 times in japan a month before this this biggest match of your life like i love the realness you nailed it adam everything about that that's how you keep that feud going which eventually will pay off one day with mox but i want to flip it back into this Pac omega match is it crazy for me want to want Pac to go over? Because Omega's already the best wrestler in the world. People are already going to come to this show if they're not already into the NJPW AEW system and going, all right, let's see this Omega that everybody's talking about. And guess what they'll see with, with, with Pac? They'll see a fantastic five-star match. 
But is it that bad of an idea to use this pay-per-view to continue to get more people over and have Pac win? It's not a bad idea, but we're eight months into AEW and Kenny Omega's an afterthought. So, like, Cody is more prominent in AEW than Kenny Omega, and that should never be the case. So it's not a bad idea, but if I was booking, I would never do it. Not now, not on last-minute notice like this. I put Kenny Omega over, I let Pac get angry and maybe fight him back, and six months from now gets a win back or something like that. But you're talking about wins and losses matter. You need to make the wins and losses matter, and you need Kenny Omega to beat Pac. All right, what if Mox shows up? What if Mox shows up and helps Pac win indirectly? Again, that goes back to I don't think people really realize how serious a, a MRSA staph infection yeah. really is. Well, people are, people are grasping this concept. Like like I said, people going, okay, they'll do it on the first TNT show. I'm like, you you really don't understand how serious this is, do you? No, I don't. But, Jack, I don't understand how serious this is. You guys ever just get a feeling in your gut? Like we like we just you guys ever just get a feeling in your gut? Like Adam said, he's an afterthought. Okay, I after that I'm all in, I'm all in. On a Kenny Omega heel. So if Pac wins this matchup for Kenny losing his mind yes. and saying, all right, since this place started, Get your I can't back. do this anymore. Yes. And oh, then he yeah. loses it and turns into this heel character. Oh, yeah. You're going to see Kenny Omega beat the, the living poop out of him. Beat the poop out of him, Kenny. Do that. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you need another heel main guy in this promotion. I mean, they need baby faces and they need Kenny Omega to be Kenny Omega. You know why we're not talking about Kenny Omega as wrestler of the year in 2019? Cause the dude hasn't wrestled. I want to see Kenny Omega front and center in AEW and you need him to beat Pac in order to do it. Pac's not even with them full time right now. Yes, but forget. Kenny's also an executive. I know we laugh at that, but he is an executive with this company. I don't think he needs a win. I don't think he has the ego that, that makes him need to get one. And I think you could be right, Jack. I think you can write it in that he wins back his heat after, but we'll see guys. Let's get into Cody and Sean Spears, Tully Blanchard in his corner. The stipulation of this match is that each member of the match gets one appointee in the corner. What they built up this week on the BTE and all in road shows, whatever you want to call them is that we don't know. And by the way, Alex Marvez showing up, Oh, God, get that. Get that. I know they hired, by the way. Shout out to AEW for bringing Tony Schiavone in for whatever role he's going to end up playing. I hope that role gets Alex Marvez away from the screen. And Alex Marvez did fill in the hole on these storylines saying Cody could pick Brandy. He could pick Pharaoh the dog. He could pick Dustin. Heck, he could pick MJF. There's a that I think whoever plays this role will have a big part in this match. But I'm going to give them credit, guys. I went back retroactively, watched all the build to this. They've done a damn good job. And when you consider that this is the freaking perfect 10 Ty Dillinger, who I've always crapped on. I respected him in NXT because he got the crowd to need him and to will him. And I respected his Royal Rumble debut at number 10 the first time when it was just a crowd enjoying themselves. We got this guy here. He's been a joke since then. He made me care about him. AEW made me care about him. I certainly care about his wife. I mean, congratulations to him and Peyton Royce on their honeymoon right now. But they made me care about him. And I hope this match is the perfect mid-card main event that has the old-school territory-type moments in it. You got Telly Blanchard feuding against the Rhodeses again. That's brilliant. And if you didn't hear that promo of the year from Brandy, here's a tiny little snippet to remind oh, you how God. great this was. Don't you, don't you dare shake your head, Silver King, all right? You better be all in on Brandy, whether she's offering me wrestling or something else, brother. 
This ain't the first time the wolves have circled. In fact, once I took this name, I found out pretty quickly that they're always on the doorstep. Roads may as well be Latin for bullseye, but that is fine. We welcome that. It's what makes us who we are. Ten stables to the back of my beloved's head. That was your 15 minutes. I really hope you enjoyed them. Guys, she brought it in the in the best in the rest of that promo is fantastic. I, I mean, I, I don't say I don't know how dare you guys can undersell that this character she's portraying. I love it. I hope she's in the corner. I can't wait for this match. They got me. Tell me why I shouldn't be gotten, please. Well, first of all, is it is it really going to be anyone but Arn Anderson? Is that a question? why would he go like, against Tully Blanchard? Why? Why would he why go wouldn't? against him? They're 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 aligned in in the history books. Tully's now against Dusty, or you know, uh, not Dusty, Cody. Why would why Cody needs a second in this match? Why would it be Arn Anderson? Why wouldn't it be? I don't understand. Because him and Tully are not enemies; they're a Hall of Fame tag team. I, I believe, guy. Like, I, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Adam. You fish. No, I'm just saying you're missing the point. It's there's there's really unless it's going to be DDP, which has no relevance here, but obviously he's part of the. Nightmare family or whatever this concoction is that they have. Um, the whole point is they brought an Arn. I guess it could also be Dean Malenko, but again, zero relevance to any of this. Um, I, I don't see any. It, they're going to have a big surprise name be this TBA partner or or uh, have Cody's back, you know, like Tully Blanchard is. And the only person that would really make sense that you can actually get in this regard would be Arn Anderson, yeah, who they have sense. on their payroll. I understand they're so teammates. Dustin makes like, sense. That's why. It's bit, but that's why it's a big deal. Well, it's He's probably Dustin. For the old school. Dustin doesn't have a match. They're playing up the brothers love each other. It's probably Dustin. It should be. He actually wrestled back then in, in WCW. So it would make Dustin. sense. Dustin, it's irrelevant. You've seen him two times recently. The whole, the whole point of it being TBA, not being announced, is for it to be a surprise. I, If I could just offer up a theory here quick, I think it's MJF. Oh God! And then he turns on right, and then he I turns... think he turned. But look, look, I took, oh, I took, God. I took, I took flat. Very few people, but you, you got to be from the NWA era, truthfully, because not even the W. They, if you now you're not telling you WWF, you really wouldn't understand. You yeah. got to be like I did the end of the NWA era. Okay, when they brought Tully in, and people misunderstood me greatly. There were only a few people who said, "I get what you." I said, "Why in the world would you not pair Tully Blanchard up with MJF?" And people went, "He doesn't need a mouthpiece." And I went, "Okay." Calm down. It's not about needing a mouthpiece. Telly Blanchard and MJ, the four horsemen Telly Blanchard character and MJF are the same person. There is nothing wrong with bringing in Telly to tell MJF, hey man, you're a real piece of sh. You know that? But guess what? I can make you the best piece of sh you could possibly be because who did it better than me? And then you have MJF going, Dad? And Telly going, come here, son. <laughs> but ultimately, I'm my. It's it's half belief, half it makes sense. I think Cody brings out MJF because MJF has nothing to do on this card, and they obviously positioning him as a top heel. Hundred percent. I think you bring him out, and he's doing the whole "Oh, Cody, you're you're my best friend" in this. And I think the swerve at the end, which and some might not even see it coming, because they think they might carry this outline. I think MJF turns, and I think Telly forms himself a nice little stable oh, because dude, they, if you they have start, a young kid. Yes, you have a young kid in MJF. Look, Spears. Okay, look. Respect the guy. Respect what he's doing right now. He's also what forty. Yeah. So he, so you got twenty two year old MJF. Jack, you're popping me right now. You're basically saying the thing we always say is, "Hey WWE, 
do Four Horsemen 2.0 for the modern and era, then, and they don't. And then you have, and, and then you have Tully freaking Blanchard pulling the strings him playing for the J.J. Dillon role on a new. You can't call it the Horseman or whatever. I don't even care if you did. You shouldn't give it a new title. And by the way, Evolution was Horseman esque. Let's not act like it was, but. Oh, that's such a great idea because it gives Sean Spears an identity where as a single star outside of the good that they've done in this building up the story, he's not a single star. So you got to put him in that faction. Dude, this could make MJF. I I like that potential just as well. I'm telling you, they got me in this. They they really put a lot of work into this storyline about Sean Spears, the reasons why he's mad at Cody from day one from OVW. I'm all in. I'm ready. I'm ready for this to be. And look, this is Cody's role at this company. From the Nick Aldis match to the Dustin match, his role is to essentially give you that mid-card main event match that's going to capture those old 80s feels, bringing Dusty back into the mix. I'm all for this. I'm fine with them putting this on the poster. They know what they're doing here. Right, I like the, I, I'd like the build. A couple more matches on the card. We're not going to go through all of them, but two more I think are worth Adam, are you just about. forfeiting your any love for this match already before it happens? I are you, yeah, I really don't care. You're ready really? to go mad Wait, seriously? Like not at all. happens. No, um, I don't really. I, I mean, I've said this before. I don't really like Cody. I do like what Sean Spears has done from a promo standpoint. And the road two shows, I think, have been pretty good showcasing Spears and Tully Blanchard. But guys, I, I just don't care about Cody. Like, I, I, I mean, for- it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot for me. I cared about the Cody Dustin match. I thought it was good. Very good. But I thought it was overrated the way people spoke about it. I, I don't think he's a very good wrestler. And I think it's people are really overinflating him because he's now in a position of executive vice president of this company. Adam, I can't wait for you to hear Jimmy on that Cody Dustin match. You need to. You need to understand what that was and what it meant. Just me me thinking something's very good and not amazing is not a negative. It's a difference of opinion. I don't know. One thing Cody will never say about you. One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge hog, but... You and Cody, it's going to be a lifetime feud, all right? But Brandy knows I'm all in. What's the next? It'd be match? great to have a it'd be great to have a lifetime feud with Cody if we could ever get anyone from AEW on this podcast. Well, probably another they story. To you crap on them. That's probably what well, happened. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they hear. Triple uh, A Tag Team Championship. I, I was about to get to a couple small matches, but I, I almost forgot about this. Lucha Bros defending the title titles against the Young Bucks in an Escalera de la Muerte match, Death Ladder match. Um, look, I. What else is there to say, really? I mean, I think this is going to be insane and awesome, and it doesn't really matter who wins. I assume the Lucha Bros will win, retain the titles, and bring them back to AAA because they've already changed titles twice recently, right? Yeah, can Ray Phoenix walk? That's the real question in this. As long as he can, is this, can he get there? What's the update? Uh, yeah, he uh, apparently people thought he broke his leg. He didn't, and it seems like he's okay. All right, he's going to wrap that thing tight, and this is going to be a, another. Tag Team Classic. That's just what it's going to be. I love the ladders and potential table element to it. I don't think it really matters who wins. They're just going to show you that we've got these horses in the tag team game, and this is what we do. I, I, the only thing I'll say about this, I mean, like, how can you not be excited about this? But I'm going to say this right now. This better be the last freaking time <laughs> we see these two. No, no, no. Granted, there is that dynamic that people don't still don't even know what the hell AAA is. Like they might just be AEW fans and go, don't know what AAA is. Something Mexico don't really care. But like someone like me, I have watched the AEW match and I've watched the AAA match and I've watched the next AEW match and I've watched the next AAA match. And I'm like, all right, I've had enough. Can we just stop? Stop it. Well, they put them on being the elite. So it's not like they're not putting them front and center. Now, we don't get to see the entire match, obviously, but they let us know what happens. So this is like the fourth or fifth time they're now fighting. And like, great. Like, I'm glad it escalated 
no pun intended. But but you know, really, really quick, just because it's in my brain. But like, this is something that like when I say like we don't know a lot until TV. Like, how would this feud come across on TNT? Lucha Brothers and Bucks, if it was like, like that's that's where the difference is for me. Like, how's it going to come across on a weekly television program? Yeah. Probably and better. That, and this also goes to the point that I was trying to make months ago, where it just kind of feels. And I know they have to do it because they're trying to get it off the ground. They want to get as much attention as possible. But it just feels like they're going with not all of their big rivalries because there's some mixing that can be done. But many of their big names and rivalries are fighting each other. And I'm really curious, like, at some point, we're going to have to get Jericho Page again. We're going to have to get Omega Pac again. And it just feels like it's all happening at once right right up front. So I'm very curious to find out, like, what the first, not the first month of TV, the second month of TV is going to be like, and then the next event that they have, who are the people that they're actually going to feature? Is MJF going to be in a, in a title match of some kind or, or in a number one contendership match of some kind, or is he just going to be in another like fatal four away with Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen, which is what we're getting on the show. And we haven't had that match before, but it kind of feels like we, we have right. Yeah. Well, he's going to be in a blood food feud with Kobe and uh, Cody MJF after Jack just laid out. the I territory. Really so. I'm in on that. Um, I like a lot of these other matches. We don't have time to get into them, but Hey, uh, AEW, bring it, win me over, get me so damn fired up at the end of all out that I'm telling you, this was a slam dunk success pay-per-view and I can't wait to see what happens next to do that. The show has got to peak on the way out. It's got to be laid out properly, but they have the horses to do it from this tag match through Kenny Omega and Pac all the way to what is going to be your main event ending. If it's Paige Jericho like it should be, what's going to be that story? What's going to be that hook that gets us wanting, needing to see October 2nd? Can't wait. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Let me hear you say it. Everybody here wants to hear you say it. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. You know what I want. You just don't want to give it to me. No, I'm going to give it to you. Because you're not in control. I'm in control. I'm in control. Hunter. No, Hunter. No, Hunter's not here. Give me what I want. DC, one word. Yes or no? CM Punk. <sighs> okay. That's, that's one word. That's, that's two. That's three. No, all right. No. My answer is no. They won't do it. <laughs> they don't need to do it. But if they did it, guys, this would be the Moxley moment from Double or Nothing. This would be the thing that takes this from, okay, us Mark and Smart fans watched this show. We saw it. We loved it. We're excited for October 2nd. But that doesn't pull in the crossover sports fans or the laps wrestling fans. If Punk comes out at the end of one of these matches and fights, so yeah, that's going to be the moment that it goes viral, that we have to see what happens October 2nd, and that everybody's going to care again. Problem is, and we've talked about it before, every day that goes by, I like Phil Brooks less as a human being. I cheer for him to come back less. Every interview, it's just it's just like wet rag, like, all right, dude, like just don't come back then. Don't ever come back, you know? I think every time that WWE fans sarcastically chant CM Punk, Tony Khan calls Phil and adds a million dollars to his offer. Mm-hmm. I think every single time. So I think it went from like five million a few months ago to like 10 million for one year that he just got called probably a couple of weeks ago. I got to be honest. It's in Chicago. I think AEW and I, I, we wrote this. We have full AEW all out predictions on the website where Jack, Brian, myself, our new writer, Brent Brookhouse, um, all give our full you know, picks for the matches and for whether CM Punk will show up. I said this in there. Um, I think AEW is in the lesson learning phase of an organization. And I think the lesson they learned from double or nothing was the show was great. People really enjoyed it. 
It got really good reviews. But the headline that came out of the show was John Moxley. It was the WWE guy. It was something surprising happening, and it was a big name. And I think if you learned that lesson and you're Tony Khan, you're calling Phil Brooks and saying, we're in Chicago. Nothing bigger could happen than you coming to our promotion, even if it's to do like commentary most of the time and, and be a special attraction like The Undertaker and wrestle three matches a year. I'll give you $10 million to do it. If Phil Brooks, I, I don't care if he doesn't like wrestling anymore, you don't turn down that kind of money or something akin to that. So I think he shows up. I don't know if he signs. I don't know if he's a long-term wrestler. I think we see CM Punk. Jack, on, real on quick, Saturday. book the territory. What does he do? Is he GTS in well, Jericho? What it, is it, he doing? It, it, it's funny you said that because my answer is yes. Like you see the bit. But in my head, I'm, I'm torn between whether he confronts whoever wins the championship at the end or if if you're going to roll with Kenny Omega baby fit, or if he attacks Kenny Omega or Cody in the middle of the show or even Cody or even Cody, or even Cody. Yes, Adam. I'm sorry. You know what? That's I forgot about so, that because like those those public comments where they went back and forth with each other a little like bit. God, I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm very sorry to interrupt you, but you cannot tell me like the Cody. Sh- it, it just feels deep down as a wrestling fan. The did. Cody stuff was staged, and then a week later, Meltzer coming out with a report that CM Punk's agent reached out to Fox yeah. about somehow going on it the WWE like studio show on FS1. Like, why would that ever happen? There is. It seems way too convenient that those but, two things happen. Hey, I mean, a CM Punk showing up in AEW. That's just not going to get headlines from. Our WWE section, or say ESPN's yeah, WWE section, everything. you're going to have legit mainstream yep. outlets picking that yep. story up, like a USA Today former W who walked out on the company. I, they have no choice. Hey, I, we I, are we are a legit mainstream. All right, real quick, let me ask you this then: because CM Punk, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you know, I know. What I'm like a different. I, I meant to say like, all right, hear me out real quick. Cover because CM Punk's um, identity is anti-establishment. <laughs> do they use him as an as a middle finger to WWE or do they use him as an in-house middle finger to AEW? Does, does, does Jericho win the title? And then at the end of the show, it's Jericho, Cody, Omega, and the bucks around Jericho as he's raising the belt. And it's sort of the corporate front of, yeah, we just did this tune in October 2nd. And then cult of personality hits. And then he comes out essentially Austin style GTS is everybody or whatever. And is like F you and F your company. I like that because how do, how have they ended every show, including all in all the best friends standing, all the, all the best friends standing there in the ring, having the love fest. And then, yeah, like you said, like they could be celebrating with their new champion. And then punk comes out and says, look, I don't like the way you guys are doing things here. I got to stop this. Or, or just cuts a promo from the stage, dude. Just sits Indian style, cuts a damn promo oh, from the would. stage. Oh, there's a lot. The, the, look, right. look, we just laid out there is a lot of potential here Saturday night to either just be a great indie show, to either pop all of us who want them to, to us to feel like they're close enough to being a real competitor or to go all in and actually swing giant. Can't wait to find out. Also, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Saturday's NXT UK takeover card from Cardiff, Wales, Saturday afternoon on the network, I believe. Um, What matches have you popping? What, what, what are you fired up for here? I am not in on the UK product, but I looked up and down this card, and, and I feel like I need to see this. Yeah, it's going to be a good card, I think. Walter Tyler Bate for the NXT, for the WWE UK Championship. Again, trips. I don't know why you're calling it that, but... Um, I think those guys will put on an absolute classic. 
the size differential alone is is fantastic, and maybe Jack can speak a little bit more to it. And really, WWE announcing that Cesaro is going to be there. We don't know in what role. We don't know what he's going to do. Obviously, we saw Finn Balor at the first UK takeover. That was pretty cool uh, for Cesaro to be there, whether it's just for this or whether it's a extended period of time now that he doesn't really have a storyline in WWE. I think that would be pretty cool. And then we have Tony Storm against Kaylee Ray, which I think will be a good women's title match. I don't know about great. Um, but Jack, I think you've been watching the TV product a little bit more than me. For me, it really is that Walter Tyler Bate match. It's it's Walter Tyler Bate. And like in, in pro, like I've seen Walter and Bate wrestle each other a billion times in progress. I mean, it's Walter is one of those guys, kind of like a Brock Lesnar, even you can compare him to where he's great with the little guys. Walter just does. He's really, really good when he works with the little guys. So this would be fantastic. Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray. And it sucks that in over here in America, there's a three o'clock in the afternoon. Not a lot of people watch it. The Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray story storyline, the way it's progressed up to this match is one of the most underrated storylines in wrestling right now. It's just nobody's seen it. The way Kaylee Ray has slowly turned and gotten inside Tony's head and she was her best friend and this, and they traveled the world together, but that she kind of just kept casting this doubt in Tony's mind. It's been masterfully well done. Like the story, it's just, again, not a lot of people have seen it, which is, which is terrible. And yes, Cesaro, I think it's a great move for Cesaro. He's begged for this. So before anyone says a demotion, no, Cesaro has asked for this opportunity to go work with these guys. And I don't know if they're going to pair him up with Cassius Ono again, who's been spending time over there and re- form the Kings of wrestling, or if he's going to go right after Walter, which if that's the thing, forget all, I'll forget it. If, if Cesaro gets in Walter's face, that's the highlight of the weekend, at least for me. And we also should obviously discuss the NJPW Royal quest show, which BC, the three main matches, Okada against Suzuki Ooh. for the IWGP heavyweight championship, Zack Sabre jr. Against Tanahashi for the British heavyweight championship and Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta. I believe that is for the never open weight championship. Uh, obviously that has to do with Kenta joining Bullet Club and all the storylines that we got surrounding that on the final night of the G1 Climax. All right, I got to Anything... keep an ear out for that. What you say? I'm sorry? I got to keep an ear out for that card. You're making me, me want to care about that when it's already a crowded weekend in pro wrestling and combat sports in general, but I will check that out. Uh, there was the Super J Finals in NJPW in what, LA last weekend? That a lot of people, a lot of our listeners actually went to, saw a bunch of people tweeting about it, and our own Cody Masters. Remember that guy? Chef to the Stars was backstage at All In. He was there. He's got a long DM. We have no time to read it. But he basically said the bloody neckbreaker with Dragon Lee in that final was one of the best moments of his life. He concurs with me that Juice Robinson is a top 10 wrestler in the world. But he says it's Will Ospreay who's the best in the world, and we need to understand that. He doesn't want to hear any more about Raw and SmackDown being good or better because elsewhere is where he's finding the true hot fire in wrestling. Thank you, Cody Masters. Thank you, Silver King. Thank you, Jack Crosby. Guys, it's all out weekend, okay? I've been, I, I, I never got off the ship, but I think I rightfully pointed out the, uh, the scars and the, and the misses on the road to getting here. But this is AEW's chance to launch proper, to get us fired the hell up, to tell us who is the fruit booty. Adam, you got any business before we exit? No business. Obviously, follow us at State of Combat on Twitter. Of course, we will have results from AEW all out during the show on cbssports.com we'll also have predictions like i said you can check those out right away uh so just make sure you follow us all weekend and of course be sure to hit us up next wednesday for our next wrestling episode of course we have boxing and ufc bc ufc 2 
42 preview. Is that correct? Next oh, week? next week, yeah, big time coming out of Saudi Arabia. Habib, Dustin, gotta see that fight. Tune in, hear what Rashad Evans, the Hall of Famer, has to say about it. Jack, where do we find you on social media? Because if you're a listener to the show and you're not getting Jack Crosby's hits on Twitter, you're missing something. You can find me at Jack Crosby1423, and you can see me fine over Baron Corbin winning the King of the Ring. All right, there it is. I like chaos. That's all we have Love to say. It. Wow. Goodbye. Hmm. Good night. Wow. How about one more time? Adam, what happened just yeah. from the edit? Goodbye. Good night. Bad. Folks, we out.